Welcome to Harley Initiated Live. It is your host, Tyshawn Jackson, here with another episode of my co-host, Ryan Ketchins. Man, I'm feeling good about this show, man. Uh, it's like, I don't know if I could just stand waiting the whole weekend to speak to the initiates. Yes. I love y'all. We are back here on this beautiful Monday evening, and we are going to bring you a compelling episode, something we've never done that I'm very excited to bring to you today, because it seems like the guests just keep getting a little bit better every single episode so stay tuned in here my true crime junkies and my people that just want to stay away from all the madness tonight we are talking crimes of passion with this very special guest that we have here on the stage we are in here with a licensed psychotherapist you've been featured on i've seen you i mean you all over the place you on court tv you on TLC. What 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 other ET you own, Dr. Janie Lacey? But we are in this joint here with Dr. Janie Lacey tonight, so we're gonna have a great show. Welcome to Hardly Initiated. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Yes, we are glad to have you, and uh, we got a great show for you guys tonight. Dr. Janie Lacey came in this joint all the way from Florida to spend some time with us tonight to tell us how to escape these toxic situations that you might have brewing in your relationship right now. Some of y'all in it now, been in it, or know somebody that been there. But before we do it, Ryan, let's talk to the people. Yo, I'm loving this because I already see people chiming in. We got a few people. We got somebody from Texas, somebody from Virginia. We got a couple people. It's their very first live experience. Welcome. We, we gotta, yeah, we got to show out for that. Check this out, guys, because I know my initiative is waiting for some announcements from us. So just real quick. No live shows, okay? Sunday, December 24th, Monday, December 25th, and Monday, December 31st, guys. So we love y'all, but of course, we want to take a break and spend some time with our personal families on those days. I think that's Christmas, Christmas Eve, and New Year's Eve. So we figured out how to do something special for you guys. We so look out for a special drop on December 28th. That's Thursday at 12 p.m., a very special premiere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. Also, guys, next year. January 7th is going to be our very first Sunday live episode. Ooh, man. yeah. Same time, a little bit of a different vibe, right? Because we want to bring a, a little bit more dynamic shows to your, your daily routine or your weekly routine. So Sunday, January 7th will be our first live show, and we're doing three live shows a week. That's Sunday at 5 and Monday at Wednesday at 8 p.m. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, tell them to look, man. Tell them what we got coming though. We got some special things coming for them that they need to know about. H.I. Hardly in love. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, going yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, this is kind of crazy. So, everybody's been asking us about how to put together a series of questions or series of things that you can do to dig a little bit deeper when it comes to your dating and relationship experience. So, yeah. me and Tyshawn, we personally went into the lab, okay? I don't want to hurt any ladies' feelings, but some of these we actually tested. Yes. Actually, all of them. We have. And we found out the ones that didn't work. Yes. All right? So we put them together in a special card deck. You got that pulled up? A hundred open-ended questions for you and your person. I'm telling you, fellas, it's the hack. Listen, you talk about you want to have a good conversation, a good date with your lady. Just had his deck always ready. You as well, ladies. This is a must-have in the collection. And we're going to be uh, telling you guys the release dates. We're going to order a few just to introduce it to the family. Let you guys use it, experience it, and then we'll let you guys know when the next drop is going to happen. But the first one is going to uh, happen soon, so just look out for release dates, guys. That's a fact. So we're about to get it popping, guys. Almost 1,000 initiates with the channel membership, guys, and we have officially 
and verified on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, you see that little check mark. That means YouTube says we are official, guys. So I, I think it just means we're going global. We it take is. Over the world. Yeah. So let's start here today because, again, we're talking crimes of passion here with Dr. Janie Lacey. And let's get into it because let's actually start from square one just so the people can know because everybody not might not be on the true crime wave and kind of knowing what's going on in that world. But we've probably all heard the word crime of passion, mm -hmm. but might not know what it is. Explain that to me. What is a crime of passion? So let's break it down and make it very, very simple. So okay. when we think about a crime of passion, it's usually someone that is in relationship. So there's an act of violence that occurs, and there's usually two buckets that it comes from. Either it comes from jealousy or some type of anger, emotional impulsivity that usually re results in some type of harm or violence and usually in death in most cases. Wow. And this is usually from a relationship, an intimate relationship between a man and a woman that for some way, for some reason, and you said it's typically, what, what were the two reasons that it typically would happen? Typically from a, a bucket of jealousy or there's some type of impulse when it comes to heightened emotion, usually from anger. Right. Um, for the mm. most of the cases that we talk about when it comes to um, my involvement with court TV, there's usually there are more intimate relationships. But you can also have situations where there's someone who is more of a random act of violence. And this is where we can see some of the stalking cases and these types of things that can result in someone losing their their life. But when we call crimes of passion. It's usually because there is some type of emotional connection in that relationship, which is where that comes from interesting interesting and 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 it's just you know i, I really want to get into that because i hate to hear this is like the extreme aspects of when a relationship really goes wrong now just before is this something that's a common occurrence that happens or is this something that most people wouldn't necessarily have to worry about i think violence in relationships especially toxic relationships we can probably say that can be a lot more common than what's reported. So we look at statistics and what's reported, but it ending in someone losing their life, I mean, usually that's not the norm from toxic relationships, but it happens a lot more than what people would imagine, right? So when we look at the statistics, one out of three women who are leaving a relationship, the most dangerous time is when they are leaving the relationship. And that's something that comes from my own personal tragedy in my story. My sister Carmen was leaving her toxic relationship. She was on a restraining order. And while she was leaving, which we know is the most dangerous time that resulted in her a death in front of her two children. Wow. So when you say leaving, she told and communicated that she wanted to break up and leave the relationship. So in my personal story with my sister, she had already broken up with the father of her children and she was on a restraining order. But what tends to happen, which a lot of people don't understand, is that there's something that we call a trauma bond. And that trauma bond is you are bonded to the person who essentially is hurting you, but you also look in that place that the person who's hurting you to heal you. So when people, which is why we have to be careful how we judge people. Well, why don't you just leave the relationship? It's not that easy, especially in that situation. So in my sister's case, she had already left the relationship. She was on a restraining order. And um, the person who ended up murdering her had was trying to be helpful. So he's trying to be helpful and wanting to help her move to her new place. So he gained access because he then got back in her good graces and her trust. And that's where he had access to um, to take her life. 
So that particular situation where someone who's hurting you then has access to you in the sense where they regain your trust and they get back to having the same kind of cycle over and over and over again. That's common in toxic relationships, right? That's where we say, well, I can't stay, but I can't leave either. Mm. And you hear people going back and forth in the same relationship. We've broken up, we're back together, right? So there's a common denominator where sometimes we look at that trauma bond or that betrayal bond that occurs. But leading to someone's death, that's usually, there are two buckets, right? It's gonna be premeditated where someone's thinking that I'm going to, potentially take this person's life. In my sister's case, we believe there was some of that because he had mentioned to one of my other sisters that he was going to kill my sister three days before he did. Right. So there's a warning sign for people. Sometimes when people say things in passing, we don't take them as serious. And then when we look back at some of these cases that we will spotlight, there's someone that potentially had some type of warning before it actually occurred. But that's not always the case. Um, in some, some of these cases, but most of the crimes of passion occur because of an impulse. They have, they black out, they rage. Sometimes they don't even remember the violence and they truly don't remember because when our brain happens, our prefrontal cortex kind of blacks out and then our logical thinking does no longer occur. So in those moments of just kind of the survival mechanism is the best way to put it as far as our brain. So you're going in survival and you're going into Sometimes we'll call it that blind rage, right? So when those blind rage happens and the person comes back to sober and they have all functions of their brain, they don't remember some of the parts that actually occurred um, when there's been especially a consequence of death. You know, it's interesting. I was literally just talking to someone um, about, you know, dating and what we kind of came across was that is uh, the thoughts that men and women have, they're a lot different as far as some, some of our initial concerns when going out like even on a first date because a guy might be thinking man i hope this woman ain't trying to get a free meal out of me or you know she ain't one of these right. just women that's just trying to take advantage of me in this way but right at, at most at the most case that's probably is the the worst it can get for him but women actually have this like concern sometimes yeah i hope this dude don't straight like clob me over the head and put me in his trunk that's like a real concern. Like you have Absolutely. to, you have to consider physical mm -hmm. safety, you know, when you are a woman. And when we talk in crimes of passion, is there a difference in how often or who typically is the target for this from, from a gender perspective? Are women typically uh, targets of the crime of passion or, or does it happen just as often to men? Well, historically, women have been the majority of the ones where the cases are reported. But we also know that men are abused and men also are victims of murder as results of crimes of passion, right? We can probably spotlight some of those we were just talking about earlier, about one where the um, the wife found out of 20 years that her husband was cheating. And you may remember the case where she took her car and she tried to run him over, right? So there are certain cases where women also get these blind rage and where they become emotional and do a lot of impulsive type situations. And we've also talked about some of these cases on court TV. But historically, women are still majority of the victims when it comes to crimes of passion or violence as a result of relationship, domestic violence in particular. Got it. Mm. And... So going a little bit deeper into the motives that typically go down, because I know you gave a couple, but is there another list? Like is, is, you know, is it like infidelity, betrayal? Like what, a, like what, if we can take a step further into why, when we're looking at cases, do you see patterns in what, you know, what is causing people to go this far and black out? 
Well, generally speaking, one of the main patterns that we'll see in psychology, we call it object relations. And object relations is basically, if we relate it to a relationship, is you consider yourself as owning the woman, if we kind of make it a, a woman as the victim. You own her, she's your property, she's an extension of you. Most people don't say that, but that's what they subconsciously believe. So if she's doing something that's betraying how you think she should be, and sometimes it starts very subtly, you start telling her how she should dress, you start criticizing her friends, you start cutting off all the things that would give her life. And then you have, you wrote her self-esteem. And then the next thing you know, she's relying on you in that sense. So we're looking at a control factor. We're looking at betrayal, or let's say a common issue is that she's outside and she happens to look at Ryan. And then the next thing, well, why were you looking at him like, right? Right. So we kind of look back at these small signs of control of criticism. And there's some dynamics that occur very often in that case. So then when it comes to controlling that person and they're not acting or doing the way that you want them to be, then the emotionality and the anger in that domestic violence situation can continue to happen. And that's where you'll see sometimes, well, people will say in domestic violence, well, well, why does she keep staying? Because she's holding on to those moments, what we call it crumbing, right? So there's moments where he is really attentive. He is really loving. And then she holds on to those moments and she keeps trying to get back to those moments. But yet what she'll do is she'll tell herself a narrative. Well, only if I am I'm a better wife or I'm a better girlfriend, only if I sex him more, if I'm cooking, I'm doing all the things that he wants me to do, then he won't be upset with me. And then you see her walking on eggshells and she's changing right. her personality. So most of the time we see the crimes of passion happen because of jealousy or because they're angry because somehow you are not doing or being who they want you to be in that object relations because you are an object to them in a sense of they own you and you're an extension of them. And sometimes we'll see that coming from their childhood because there's a lot of unhealed people in the world. And it can be sometimes for men, it could be issues that they had with women early on in their life with their mothers. Or let's say that first betrayal, that first person who broke their heart and they've never dealt with it and they pushed it down. But usually someone that has uh, is involved in crimes of passion, they've had some type of violent history before. But what will wow. happen is either their family or their friends or their previous relationships will make excuses for them. Because when something happens and someone's life is taken, then you see all the exes coming out and saying, yeah, he was violent or we did see this or we, he did have mental health issues, but it's usually in hindsight. I got so many questions for you. Uh, I want to talk about this very briefly because uh, we had a show last Wednesday where we talked just a bit about abuse and abusive situations. And uh, on that episode, we had Dr. Tard and Dr. Stacy, who had, I would say, completely different opinions on kind of how to go about the situation, right? Right. And Dr. Stacy specifically, her stance was, hey, you know, the victim should have the strength and the gumption to leave. And, of course, we had a lot of people that was very upset by those statements. Uh, and the main thing was the the feedback that we got from that particular statement was that, it's not that easy, right? And there's so many other things that weren't being evaluated in this very simple statement that she made. So just very curious um, when it comes to walking away, like how does that really look for somebody who's being actively victimized by a significant other? So we have a program called Women Redeem, and that's exactly what we do is we help women recover from toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. And in order to leave a, a relationship, there has to be a plan. And one of the number one ways that we find 
that is pivotal in a woman leaving a toxic relationship is her support system. It's not that easy just to say, well, they should have enough strength and just to leave within themselves because if they had that, they wouldn't be in that potential situation in the first place. And there's many factors that are involved. So a woman will return back to that toxic relationship more times before she actually leaves that relationship. She's left a long time in her head, but there has to be a plan. So we look at not only getting her to a place of radically accepting the situation, she has to radically accept that situation that is not going to change, that that is who that person is going to be. And that there's no, because what happens, we, we hold on to the hope for the future that they are going to change. So that's the first step, radically acceptance. And then second, we have to look at her resources. What are her resources that she has available to her? And the number one thing that keeps people not going back is their support system. Because when you get, we know just the way that the brain works about two weeks, about let's say 14 days to 21 days after you leave a toxic relationship, you have enough distance from that relationship. You start kind of what we call getting amnesia, right? You start remembering wow. all the good things and you start missing them, which is normal, but you start focusing on that, which brings you back into that relationship versus remembering why you left. So what one of the things we have them do is having a list even before they leave, why are all the reasons why they need to leave that relationship? So when they're tempted to go back, they pull out that list and they have a safe circle of people. And this can be professionals. It can be people that are in their family, but they have to be mature people. It can't be the person that just says, well, you just need to leave. It's no good for you. It's right. a person that has empathy, that has sympathy, that when they are tempted, that they can go to that person because they're safe. They're not going to be judged. And the more they do that, because we know if you work out the impulsivity of wanting to call the person who's hurting you or you want to get back, if you give yourself on average about 22 minutes and you're distracting yourself, you have an outlet of support, the impulsivity to want to go back and contact person becomes less. So if I was to go through all of those steps, it's not that easy just to leave because they have to have this plan that has to happen over and over and over again. And we know on average, it takes about 90 days of detoxing from a relationship before you even have enough strength to take that next step. So it's not wow. just saying this person is not good for me and I'm going to leave, especially if there's emotional attachment, there's trauma bonding, and there's usually there's some level of what we call unfinished business. There's a reason why you're with that person, whether it's consciously known to you yet. So, but we do know they need to have a strong support system so that they're not alone. They have to have a tribe of people around them. So when we studied the women that come through our program, the ones that have been most successful, that is a pivotal, they have a safe place, they have a tribe, and they have women that are subconsciously holding them up so that they won't go back to that relationship. But what happens in these toxic relationships is people stay in secrecy. They're ashamed mm. because of opinions like that for someone to say, well, you should just leave. You should have enough strength to do that. And when you have an opinion like that, then people are not going to go and tell somebody because people are they're going to feel like no one gets me. They don't understand that I keep coming back and they don't want to be judged. So then that keeps them there when they're in that place of secrecy and they hide it. And that's what happens not only with my sister or many other women is that you find out something has happened when there's a crisis because of that reason that we are so judgmental and we send messages like that. You know, I, I didn't think about that. Just that kind of stance and communicating that way could really shut somebody down versus, mm -hmm. you know, versus the intent, which I'm sure you would only say that because you want them to right. get out. But just with that message being delivered, it is extremely judgmental for sure. And I you understand know, why people say that, right? right. Because they do want to have this positive motivation and they think that by having this motivational speech you that that's, that, that's going to be helpful. Right. But it actually puts people, it kind of puts people in shame. So, you right. know, I, I want to actually put this poll out here because I really want to understand 
the people's relationship with the topic that we have in here tonight. So, Ron, let's actually drop a poll, man. How many people have experienced loss, you know, uh, from a crime of passion? You know, whether that may have been, you know, someone that you know, um, uh, near and dear to you, uh, a friend, a family, anybody else. Uh, I want I want to know how common this might be with the initiates that are currently in here. And in the meanwhile, while that poll is coming out, you did say a lot of people that go about being, you know, uh, someone to 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 be this person to act, go off and and potentially even take someone's life. They have a history of violence. Mm -hmm. Okay, and how do you avoid that? We've had a couple people come up on here and talk about the infamous background check that they're starting to do, which sounded just kind of weird to me. But when you're talking about this, do you think that should be common practice to be able to, you know, get a background check on somebody you're dating to 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 figure something like this out? Or do you just kind of play and kind of watch how they move or, you know, evaluate their patterns? How do you best see, uh, you know, recognize that type of history? I think, well, all of the above, right? So if, for example, if you're online dating and the person is a complete stranger for you, that is something that you have access to, especially it's not that hard to do a background check on someone. So that would be your first step. But not all background checks are going to reveal someone's character issues or if they've had a history of violence, it's just not reported, Right. So I think the second thing would be is to move slowly and to evaluate that person. Not only you can't observe someone unless you've had repetitive experiences around them, you know, groups of friends. How are they treating the waiter? How do they handle traffic? I mean, there are some little clues to how someone handles their emotion because the emotional intelligence and emotional regulation tells a lot about a person, right? Do they have what we call in psychology, a window of tolerance? A window of tolerance is when there's a lot of stress or there are situations that cause you to be stressed. How do they handle those emotions? And someone that potentially has a propensity towards violence, they can only fake it for so long, right? And sometimes what people will see is we make excuses. They threw the keys, they were frustrated, they slammed the door. Well, everybody does that, right? So people will tell themselves, because they're so attached to the outcome of that potential person that they want to date, whether they're attracted to them, whether they have all these good qualities that they see as a potential partner, then we start making excuses for their bad behavior because there's some type of tie. So we have to not be tied to the outcome and we have to move slowly, be patient, do the background check. And I'm a big believer at some point, if it's someone that's going to be in your life for, you know, that they're potentially for a long-term partner, bring them around your friends and family. And if they don't want to be around your friends and family yet, that to be a red flag. Oh, because okay. your friends and family are not emotionally tied to them yet. But you have to also be in a position where obviously you have to make decisions for yourself, but you're open to other people's opinion and some of their experiences with the person you're bringing around. And sometimes it's not necessarily black and white it could be an intuitive nature. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. are, are some people more susceptible to being becoming victims than others? Like, is there certain things that somebody could do where it's like, okay, you operating like that is you putting yourself at more risk for somebody kind of to, to come around and take advantage of you? Well, that's a major key, right? So for anybody, if we haven't done our own work, and what I mean by done our own work is that we don't have a PhD in our own history. We go to the school <laughs> and we learn so much about other people's schools, right? right? All of us. But the most important thing is we need to have a PhD in our own history. What are our childhood wounds? 
Where are our vulnerabilities? What are the potential things that we're unhealed in? How it's our template of life. We all have a template of life. That means our caregivers, our mother, our father, they're going to download certain messages for us. And if we can't even speak about our traumas and we can't even talk about in safety, our wounds, then that's the first step, right? Because if we're not a lot, what happens is that people will push it down. Well, that happened in the past, or they will get the, you know, the good news junkie. They try to turn everything into good news. Well, I wouldn't be this way. And there's some truth to that. I wouldn't be this way if it wasn't for my history. Yeah. But we also have to speak about the wounds as a result of that history. We all have some levels where we can look at both sides of the coin. So doing your work, becoming healed, having high self-esteem, walking in confidence, and not necessarily, and I'm not saying this from like a woman empowerment standpoint, but not thinking that your life depends on a relationship. Mm. You enter to this world single <laughs> as a person, you're going to leave this world, right? So, but when we go from a place of desperation, then we will look at people with red rosy glasses. And again, we may see all the warning signs. We may feel it in our intuitive nature, but again, we're tied to the outcome. So you wow. have to do your work and you have to, and it's a red flag when we don't have a good circle of friends. Because if you get your... You're getting filled by your your friends, right? Your emotional. I'm talking not necessarily the things you would get from a romantic relationship, but you're not necessarily because if you put yourself in a situation where you don't have a good circle of friends, your life is not fulfilled, then a relationship will become all your eggs are going to be in that basket, and then you're potentially setting yourself up because then that becomes your lifeline. That's so wild to me. I I really wonder how many people might be in a relationship and not willing to leave literally because they don't think it's a better option out there. I would say there's a lot of people really? that think, okay, well, this is the devil I know, right? We hear all these sayings all the time. So they'll settle for the companionship. They'll settle for even being the most lonely. And I think this is really sad. The most loneliest place being when you're in a relationship, right? Mm. Because you're, at least you have somebody there and you're convincing yourself because of the thing of the unknown. And especially if you've not had an experience of having a healthy relationship, if you haven't had experience of really having someone see you, right? Intimacy into you, I see, right? So when someone really sees you and you've been vulnerable and they've been able to hold space for you, that's an experience when you have that. I mean, you now know what it feels like to be loved. And when you don't have that, then you stay closed up, you stay reserved, you stay guarded, or for some of my women that I work with, they stay busy, right? Because that's a way to kind of pour out their anxiety. They're cleaning, they're doing all this other stuff, or they're getting another degree. They're doing all these other things, right? Because they don't have to sit with their self. But the the best place that we need to be is like on that Sunday afternoon, there's nothing going on. Tyshawn, can you sit with yourself and not have the TV on, not have music and just be able to sit with your own thoughts, right? There's a sign of healing there. So there's these clues mm. that can set you up for success. But what will happen is if you get into a relationship and that first red flag happens, can you speak your boundary? Because I think there needs to be a warning before you just have this rigid, this rigid exit, right? Okay. okay. Is that, you know, and it's not okay that you're talking to me that way, right? And then see how the person responds, right? Because there's some clues there. So some people can gen gen genuinely just not know how to act. Is that what you're saying? Like, is that why you would give them opportunity? A growth mindset. Okay. Can you give someone okay. feedback and to your point, maybe they're not aware of it and okay. how they respond to it. Okay. Well, cool. My bad. You know what? I'll be aware of that next time versus the gaslighting. Well, what are you talking about? That didn't happen. Right. And then they get into, but if it's familiar, they will, they'll put a dog in that fight. Right. Then they start arguing and they get into that because right. When we look at from an attachment standpoint, we look at this attachment standpoint of anxiety. You're used to the roller coaster 
ride, the come here, go away. So that's why we have to understand our history. Because if you're used to that, then someone who's good for you may be seen boring, mm. right? They may, we don't have chemistry. We don't have this spark. We don't have these, these types of things because what's happening is your nervous system. That's trauma is that I need to be able to have the, the argument or I need to be able to have a little bit of tension or I need to have chemistry, these types of things. That's not necessarily always healthy. So you know oh, what? Wow. Let's do this because I actually want to talk about that next. You I want to kind of go into some of the some of the signs that this person might be abusive for both men and women. And I want to know if they're the same or if, if there is any difference. But let's actually go ahead and close it out. Let's see what the people got here. So I'm going to close out this poll. We actually lied on the poll. We got just over 100 votes. Have you ever experienced loss from a crime of passion? And most people say no. 74% say no. But it is that 20 six 25 percent that say yes wow. which is i mean one out of four people that's awful that, no that's that's common yeah. enough for the for the people in here i would agree with that yeah so listen and by the way if you're watching the replay let us know in the comment section because i really want to know here i invite everybody please go ahead and smash the like button here press yeah. that gray like button here so we can go ahead and spread this here around the youtube streets because people need to go ahead and join this conversation because we are warming up here with Dr. Janie Lacey. And now. Yes. Shout out to VJ too, by the way. She she already, don't, listen, VJ showing love. She said, thank you, Dr. Lacey. So that's what's up. Much for love, VJ. Thank you. thank you, Dr. Lacey, for some sound counsel. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. Sound, sound counsel. Let's talk about some of these signs because the signs that somebody's abusive if I'm a guy and I'm a woman that's dating, are they the exact same signs or is it a bit of a different if I'm a guy, what I'm looking for versus if I'm a lady? Well, let's talk about some of that are common. And first, let me say this. Some of these signs doesn't necessarily mean that that person is going to potentially be abusive, right? Disclaimer. We, we need to say that, right? But in hindsight, the ones that end up where they become violent or there's domestic violence or potentially resulting in someone's death, these are some of the common signs that are there. When we look at first, relationships are a marathon, they're not a sprint. Sometimes people can hurry the relationship while things are in this new stage. And there's a reason for that. And they're giving you lots of compliments. They're pouring you with lots of love because there is ability to disarm you. When you're getting all the good stuff and it happens very quickly while emotions are new and all the other stuff, there's a, usually a reason for that. So relationship move very quickly. You don't even know his middle name, but you already got the U-Haul truck outside, right? So you want to be really, really careful at the pace Ooh. of the relationship in the beginning is the first thing. And the second thing is over time, it's a death by a thousand cuts. They start criticizing you, but then they disguise it as jokes, right? So mm. it can happen, but it's the pattern. It's not the problem. Somebody can have a problem and criticize you once and then they correct it, right? And then they give you feedback in a different way. So we're looking at patterns, not problems. The pattern of criticism, the pattern of control, the pattern of isolation, and the pattern of intermittent anger. So they're not angry all the time, but what they do, it's scary. And you start walking on eggshells, and then you start questioning, well, did that really happen? Mm. And you feel it inside of you. So those are some comments of early, early signs that you don't want to ignore. But the first time... It can be an escalation. It's not necessarily domestic violence. It can be the verbal abuse. It can be some of the control. It can be the mental abuse. It can be the gaslighting. But then it could be when he was angry that he started slamming the cabinets or he started throwing his keys or he started uh, driving the car real fast. But if there is wow. some history, right? <laughs> that is, that is really Are you driving the car fast? Well, yeah. no, 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 what are you doing no, 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 no. But right that's now. just like really yes. diabolical. 
No, like, that's just major disrespect. Facts. Just, mm-hmm. That's. But what will happen is these things, they sound extreme, but if really people think about their relationships, they may have had an incident like that, but we make excuses for it. Where he was upset, he was whatever the excuse may be. Girl, because, he love you. Because he love no one you. ever thinks that this is going to happen to them. No one ever thinks that the person that they love is going to somehow hurt them, right? But that's where that saying is a thin line between love and hate, because there's some truth to that when it comes to these toxic, dysfunctional, domestically violent relationships. So the first time you have a boundary and you say something about it, see if things change over time. But that's where when you feel like it in your body that something is wrong, you need to talk to someone and have a safe place for that. You need to be able to talk to someone versus ignore it, especially today more more than ever. Mm. I mean, that's just, man, that's just interesting. When when I'm going back to the because you said your sister, for those of you who missed it probably early in the show, your unfortunately, your sister was actually a victim. Yes. Of this. And when we go into those, some of those patterns that you broke down a bit earlier, did you see just about all of those patterns go down in that, in that relationship before that event finally occurred? Well, because it happened when I was young, right? So mm. this has been quite some time, but I can tell you the one thing that we do know now that when we look back was a, a red flag was there was so much isolation. So I think a lot of times when our friends or our family, right, we get this thing, check on your strong sisters, right? Because let me say this, it doesn't matter how successful you are or how unsuccessful you are, what color you are, you know, how much money you have in the bank. This happens to across the board, right? Regarding your economical status, whatever it may happen. And sometimes for our strong sisters, when they're in domestic violent relationships, whether they're CEOs of company, they're C-suites, they're successful entrepreneurs, for them, sometimes they have more even a reason to hide it because there's so much shame around it because they should just know better. They're successful in these types of things. So in my sister's case, there was isolation. But we'll say, well, she's just busy with her family or she's busy with her kids or she's busy with her career. If you have an intuitive nature and you think that your friend or a family member is someone that potentially you may have an intuitive, I don't know about their relationship, check on them and sometimes ask them. The worst thing that they can do is get offended. But you ask the question, right? But how you ask the question is going to be important. And sometimes what happens if someone kind of pushes back, then you go away. Stay present. Stay present in a way that's safe for that person, especially if you think someone is potentially in a domestic violent relationship. And does I'm just thinking about so many different things at once because it doesn't always have to be at that end of the spectrum where it's gotten physically abusive, but it could just be somebody who you see is trapped into a toxic relationship where it's more so you see the signs of control, right? And I think, I think, Tysha, I think you, weren't you telling me about like an, an experience somebody had like a, it wasn't all the way to domestic violence, but it was like just some controlling yeah, things absolutely. that was kind of happening. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I haven't heard that, you know, not even just one time. I've, I've heard that happen many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's just the reality of the situation out here. And I'm really interested to hear, you know, some of the people's thoughts about this as well. And as a matter of fact, what I want to do here, Ryan, because we're at the 35 minute mark right here now, let's actually... um Let's actually shout out uh, just for a brief second as we before we continue the conversation. I actually want to take a step here to shout out actually one of our members of the channel really quickly. Um, it was uh, our previous 
member that won the uh, uh that won our competition that we recently had. Oh, Selena. Big shout yeah, out to yeah, Selena. Yeah, Selena Hill. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Selena. So Selena we did Hill a uh, got her book. Yeah, we did a book uh book giveaway. This was uh the professional matchmakers. Yeah. That came up, did an awesome show. They got the book Relationship Do-overs, which yes. I thought was pretty cool. So we did the book giveaway for that. And Selena did such a good job sending us that beautiful photo. Did you post that yet? I already did, man. Big That's shout out lit. to Selena. Thank you so much uh, for going ahead and joining this thing here. How are you feeling about the initiation hotline? Yeah, we can we can we can get it popping. Let's go we ahead. Get it popping. Yeah, let's go ahead and get the initiation hotline rolling here, guys. And so I know when uh, hotline bling. What we're gonna do is we're gonna go <laughs> ahead and we're gonna go ahead and pin that in the chat here for the people to go ahead and tune into the conversation here. Okay, so I want y'all to go ahead and you will see it. All right, it's gonna be here in the chat for my people here in live. Make sure you already yeah. know the drill. Okay, when we post this thing here. You got your camera on, you got your audio ready, and you are ready to go live because when you come backstage, we're going to bring you on at any point in time. And today, I want to talk to some of our people that may have experienced this, whether that may be family, whether that may be friends. And even if you might be in a situation where it's getting a little tricky, like Ryan said, I know a few people that have gotten to these little tricky situations. In fact, let me ask you about one of these in particular. Topic is heavy. If you have a guy... Who is and you know what? Let's actually start here because Dr. Janie was talking about this before the show a little bit. I don't know if y'all know this, y'all, but I got on the app Snapchat about like eight months ago. I was doing something on my phone, re-downloading all my apps, like new phone, whatever the case is. I got on my Snapchat account, my Snapchat account. I haven't been on there in like a year. They had an update on there, probably like two years, and they had an update where now you can actually see the location of the users on the app. And I hit it and I was so surprised to see so many, not just the men, mm -hmm. but the women. It's bad enough for men, but the women who literally had their address available for the world to see on a social media app. A lot of these women, even single ladies, probably dating guys, bringing guys into their lives that they don't know very well. Creepy situation going on. I don't know what kind of trust... What do you what do you think about that, about people giving just the world that level of access to them? I think we can be delusional. We can be delusional and we can be in denial that we don't think bad things can happen to us. And I'm just saying that collectively. Right. So no one ever goes out in the world and thinks that bad things are going to happen. To so what that means is sometimes you are not as protective and you're not as thinking through some of these decisions that you're making with giving people access to you. Access is earned. And when you think about a location, right, you're out there. Um, if people have bad intention, then it's easy for them to get access to you or know how you move. So when you think about it from that standpoint is that to not, especially on social media, right? So to not post, right? We have these conversations all the time to not post live time when you're right. when you're at a location to not let people know where you're at. If you want to do that after you leave, right? So right? There are some common things that I think it's important to educate people on. And the first thing is to not live in delusion, to not think that there are not people out there who could be watching you and you don't even know that they're watching you or that bad things can't happen to you. So protect yourself, check all these apps, Take the locations off. Don't post real time if you're at, you know, the Waffle House. Wait to after you leave. Just take some precautions and make that a part of your lifestyle choices so that you don't have to think twice about it. Should a woman find it a red flag in particular 
uh, and man too, by the way, for this in particular, someone who's always trying to track what if they they have a partner that's kind of obsessed with tracking them from the aspect of their text messages, where they are, you know, they might've caught them going through their phone on multiple occasions Mm -hmm. or, you know, having this, this habit to always almost have this level of obsessiveness, even though they might again, make excuse for it or whatever the case is. How dangerous is that for someone to have that level of passion to know your whereabouts? I think it depends on the situation. So you have two buckets of women, you know, I'll just kind of put in a general sense. You have a woman that potentially has an intuitive nature that something is going on and she's playing detective, right? That's not necessarily going to help the situation. The very fact that you have that feeling, you need to take a different course of action. But if you're doing that from a place of insecurity, or if you're doing that from a place of control, especially if potentially there's some other things that are in place, it could be very dangerous because when we look at some of these crimes of passion, for example, that's where the control and the jealousy can start. And then let's say, you know, a typical scenario where you said that you were getting your nails done. And when I looked at the app, you weren't getting your nails done. Now, where were you? Perhaps there was something not necessarily right with that location, but it looked like she was somewhere else. Right. And then a lot of people can get very angry that can escalate into types of violence. But the very fact there are couples that sit that share each other's location. There's different, but if you're dating somebody and they're in a place where they want to track you and they want to have access to you, that should definitely be a red flag, especially if there's no reason for it. Mm. Is uh, Do you find that in healthy relationships, that's not the case? Like are in healthier relationships, are couples even given access to, you know, is that a big concern in those relationships that you found? When we look at mature couples, there's a certain level of privacy. There are couples, like I said, that are families that share location and those types of things, right? Because there's no big deal about it. Most people are where they say they are. But if you want to have access to like emails and you want to go dive deeper in these types of things, you have to ask yourself why. So being in the betrayal trauma space, when people are recovering from betrayal, we will actually see some of that, right? That there is a period of time where the person gives because they're choosing to stay in the relationship that they give access to the other person to bring them security, to bring the reassurance that they're recovering from whatever betrayal that they had. But if that's not part of the relationship and if that's not part of the agreement that the couple has and one person is demanding that and the other person feels obligated to give that, then that's going to be a power and control situation that's not going to be healthy. And there's nothing that ever comes good out of those situations. So when it comes to mature couples, they have agreements and they come to agreements to things that may protect their relationship, but they're agreeing to it from two healthy adults. But if one person is demanding it or one person feels like they have to do it and it's not something that they feel comfortable with, then we can see the writing on the wall. It's like the mold that wall is going to eventually come down. Wow. Wow. As a matter of fact, hold that thought, Ryan. Can we please go ahead, guys? The link is in the chat. The link is pinned. And we've also dropped it in the chat. So again, if you have had any experiences with anything, with any level of an abusive relationship or know somebody that has, please come up here and talk to us here, the Harlan Initiated family tonight, as we got Dr. Janie Lacey on here. Or again, if you have any questions regarding it, I want to bring you guys up here so we can have a conversation tonight. But Ryan, please go ahead and, uh, and give me your thoughts. Yeah, I'm just pinning this to the chat because it's, it's really tricky, you know, because, you know, we got these video calls, too. That's a whole another thing. So I already know people probably a little bit apprehensive about calling mm-hmm. in because it's such so heavy. But absolutely. I just thought about this, Dr. Lacey, because um, I just want to be clear. This crop of passion, 
does it does it have to be in a committed relationship or can it happen outside of a committed relationship? Let's say like in the dating phase or pre-dating phase. And when does it happen most? Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. But go ahead. So it happens most in the context relationships, but it does not have to be, right? Okay, so okay. on court TV, we will talk about different cases that result in stalking, where the person didn't even really know the person who was stalking them that got, got access to them that broke into their house and did some type of violent crime. So when you think about whether it's movies, you may not know anyone personally, but you think about movies or cases that you've heard, it's not always that you specifically they specifically knew the the person. That happened, but more times than not, it's usually someone that had repetitive access to them, which is usually in a context of a family or a relationship. That makes sense. So the reason I ask that is because this actually happened to me last week. I had a friend of a friend actually call me, a young lady, and she called me kind of you whispering. It's kind of weird, you know. Like mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you know, why are you calling me, kind of deal. But she's kind of whispering, and then she's like, hey, you know, I just want want to, I needed somebody to talk to. Like this was like the first number came up. I just called you because you know this uh, this weird guy is outside my place. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, I'm asking questions. I turn to straight detective. I'm like, all right, you see him? You know, he in the car. You know, I'm asking details. But then, of course, she got into her house. And now I'm, I'm like, I'm just curious. Like, how does this even start, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, what was the situation? And she's telling me that, you know, she met a guy in the Uber who was her Uber driver, mm -hmm. okay? And they some in some form or fashion, they exchanged numbers, okay? Now, the they started like a text conversation mm -hmm. and somewhere along the way, she decides that she has no interest in this guy mm -hmm. and he starts sending her explicit photos. Mm -hmm. Okay. A few days later, she pulls up to her apartment, this guy, and she remembers the car is outside the exact spot that he dropped her off. Now, my thing is like, I, in my mind, I really wanted to go into what, the hell were you thinking giving some dude who drive Uber your phone number, right? Mm -hmm. But instead, I I, I kind of, you know, went like, like, hey, you know, you know, that's not a good idea. I was very soft about it, right? Mm -hmm. But then it after I got off the phone with her, I was, I didn't, I, I just kind of felt in this weird place. Like, what kind of counsel should I have given this person? Because I've seen that on so many different levels. Like, I've been places with my friends and we talking to a group of young ladies and it's six of us. And one of the young ladies decides to stay. And I'm looking at, at her and her friends like, are y'all crazy? Like, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Anybody around me is good, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> but right, right. that's crazy as hell. You're going to leave your homegirl with six dudes. But it's mm -hmm. so me. I see things like that all the time, right? Yeah. So when that types of situation happens, because don't get me wrong, the, the ladies that, you know, were the friends, I'm sure were thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Like, mm -hmm. this is pretty crazy. But how do you tell somebody that you care about or somebody that you want to, you know, see not get into these very tricky situations where they risk themselves being assaulted or more or worse? Right. How do you communicate to them in a healthy way that they're making really bad decisions? The best way is to first depending on who the person is. So if it's someone that you know really well, like your friend, for example, then that means that she has history with you. So she may trust you. She knows that you love her because then that's tough love. I don't believe that you need to sugarcoat that, but okay. I do believe it depends on the person. So if it's someone that may not be around her all the time and them giving that feedback, it may not be received well. But gotcha. if she came to you and said, hey, this is what's going on, but it's how you say it. Right. Saying it from that place of love, saying from that place of care and concern, but being a straight shooter when it comes to those types of things. 
that, you know what, I'm so glad that nothing occurred, but, you know, I'm going to make up her name, you know, Rachel in the, in the future, you know, I would suggest, yeah, maybe fun just to kind of flirt and exchange information, but we ought to be careful in these streets these days, <laughs> right, right? right? So how you say that to her is going to be important, but the worst thing you could do is is see it and not say it. Um, and I'm a big believer in that, but you have to, it depends on how you say it. If you're going to come and shame her and those types of things, then again, she may not come to you in the future, but how you say it as a friend, I'm hundred percent. I'm a believer that you need to call her out on that behavior because sometimes people do that because again, they go back to, they don't think these things are going to happen to them or in the moment they're impulsive, right. they're flirting, it feels good. And you know, they don't know this person. They may think he's cute and right. in their head, let me see where this is going. And then rejection, when we look at crimes of passion, rejection is one of those things that could be a trigger potentially if that person is a setup for violent behavior. Rejection is key. When they feel rejected, that shame comes over them, and then they potentially can make some really bad decisions from that anger place. Wow. That makes sense. And when that rejection comes in and see, you know, the thing about it, you may in that situation think a guy is attractive or a young lady is attractive, but when if you decide to reject them they now know exactly where you live they have access they, they have got, access they got access and that's where collectively speaking we got to get we got to move past the one dimension right. right just the the flirting and just looking at how somebody looks like who are they but that goes back to you like what is your values what are your principles and even what's your intentions with dating are you just dating just to get to know people are you dating look for a long term partner because that's also going to dictate how you move but I think what we want to do, in particular, like, let's say with your friend Rachel, is there needs to be accountability around dating, be, right. especially if she found herself potentially in a dangerous situation. But her friends around her, how they speak to her will dictate if she's going to share or not. Because a lot of people have these situations. They don't even talk about it. They right? don't talk about mm -hmm. it. And, you know, I remember growing up, you know, what my mom used to be like, hey, especially when I went to college, she's like, hey, don't let nobody pour you drink. You know, mm -hmm. you make sure you get your own drinks. But I feel like we've gotten so far away from protecting ourselves and it seems like we're just open to i guess because of the internet and you could just meet people like that right it seems like we're open to all types of connection and we're not really thinking about logistically how you can put yourself in a situation to be victimized right and not to talk about this because it ages me but when i was growing up you only had access to the people you can see right <laughs> right, right, right so right. there there's a, a a limit of people that you can see you know their families right you have some level of understanding where they've come from where now we have the illusion of choice so if mm. things are not working out with ryan then i can go over to taishon i can go to the next person right there we're so disposable of people because there's this illusion of so many choices and then that makes people feel especially if you think about you think you're connected with someone on social media you have this illusion that you think you know them because you see one dimension of their life you see them the things that they're going and then you think that you you know them and we see that just from um, a professional standpoint too oh, right yeah. oh, that yeah. when you see people you think you know them like people probably think they know the two of you right oh, they do i'm like yo <laughs> do not touch me unless i invite you to touch me. <laughs> right yeah yeah right. But, it's, but it's like that though but look, right. i'm gonna be honest look folks is not getting less crazy people so we need to make sure we protecting ourselves the best way yeah that we can in fact i have somebody that's been in here patiently waiting to get up on here and talk with us we are in here. I'm going to bring to the stage now uh, Dr. George Ann Thomas. Welcome to the stage, mm -hmm. Dr. George Ann Thomas. How are you? Hey, can you hear me? Just take it off mute, Dr. George Ann. You got to listen. You know, Fine, Dr. Can you hear me? Hear me? There we you sure go. Can. What's up? I can hear you. Yes. Awesome. Yes. 
Dr. Georgian, could you do me a favor? Could you yes. give me your age, your location? Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. I am very old school. Okay, I'm sorry. You said, well, hold on, wait, 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 one second. I think I think it's like a little delay in me, you 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 getting what I'm telling you. But if you can, please give me your uh, your age, your location, and your question. Oh, Dr. George, Dr. George, and listen, I need you to work them sound okay, issues. Okay, so out. I'm in Atlanta. I okay. am 81. Okay, hear. you're in Atlanta and you're 81 years old. I can't hear her. You said you're in Atlanta and you're 81 years old, right? It's a delay right now. Oh. This, listen. She's shaking her head. And oh. I am happy that, yes, and I'm very happy that you're having this show. Okay. Well, Dr. George, I'm gonna need I you to do me a favor now. because we having some issues. I need For you to go ahead women. and tell me. I'm gonna. Go, I need you to go ahead and come in here and tell me why you called in, so we can go ahead and uh, get your uh, get your question. I like for her to talk more about the solutions, temporary protective orders. Uh, talk some more about same sex DVD. Okay. Protection orders and what was it? What was the same? It was same sex. What now? <laughs> it's just a little delay. It's, 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 it's about to take about four seconds for the sound to travel. D DV domestic violence. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, look, because, same sex DV. Yes, and look, listen, Doctor Georgian, because the the audio is not well, I'm gonna let you go, and we're gonna go Thank ahead and you. answer that question for you. Okay. Thank you so much. Much love to you. Shout out to her for calling in. I'm not sure what if that's us or or that's the doctor. Having yes. that, that was issue. And listen, also, by the way, I know it's some issues tonight. I heard a couple people say they might want to come up private. So listen, tonight, because I get it's a sensitive topic, here's what I'm going to let y'all do. You can come up. You can put an anonymous name backstage. You don't have to turn your camera on. And what we'll do, we'll just let your audio up backstage and we'll let you talk completely anonymous. But I do want to still have a conversation with the family from anybody that may have experienced or think they may be experiencing something like this. Wait, so you can still join that link and come up and we will bring you up without video, guys. And who was 81? Did she say she was 81? Yes. Wow. That yeah. is beautiful. Yes. That is, man, we got to get her back on. Shout out to the OGs. Oh, yeah. We, listen, we just got to go get ahead. Back on. That's amazing. Yeah. Look, Dr. Georgia, we got to get that Wi-Fi turned up over there. All right. We got to turn it up. And not Dr. Georgia, let me tell you something. She, at 81, she can tell us about some stuff. But what was real. her question? Right. Let's, let, let's, 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 let's answer her question. Well, just about protective orders. What is you know, it? What, what because, does she? What does she mean by that? By okay, the way, and, and you know what? Because now that I think about it, Doctor Lacey, as I my my she was a friend of a friend. You know, she she called in or or she called me. I was thinking like, what? I mean, outside of just general counsel, should I have told her like to call the police or like what's the situation if something like that even happened? So, so could you tell us what's the protective order and then also what is like when is the the indicator that you should get police or another party involved in something, you know, potentially dangerous. Well, whenever you feel like your life is in danger or, and at any point in time, if someone threatens you, you should take that serious. I'm a big believer. You report that you take that serious, but sometimes again, people don't think it will happen to them. But if it comes to the case where someone has repetitively threatened you, they stalked you and you've asked them not to contact you and you've took the measures to to not create access to you and they still violate your boundaries, you should absolutely file a restraining order and get a protective order, depending on the situation, especially if you created that boundary and asked them to not call me, do not come to my house, 
it's over and they still do that, then I would not play with that at all. You know, you go ahead and get the authorities involved and get that recorded um, and then let people know what's happening. Do not feel like you have to take that on by yourself. If you if you feel threatened at any point in time, do not take matters into your own hands. And, and, and when you take that first step, like what, what actually happens? The, you know, is it some kind of paperwork that you have that says they should stay away or do they go to jail or what's the situation? Well, usually, generally speaking, right, every legal system is different depending on your state, right? Gotcha, but gotcha. you do want to go ahead and you file a motion for a restraining order. So an, an officer will usually interview you. And one of those things is they're going to be looking for evidence, right? Because they want to make sure that people are not making false claims. And that's going to be important. So if you have those evidences, if you have like text messages or social media things, you want to bring those things with you. But I can't necessarily... I'm not a law enforcement person, gotcha, so I don't want gotcha. to necessarily give advice on that. So, you know, each person would be different. Or if there's questions about it, people can call the non-emergency number without actually filing a complaint and ask the question, you know, that yeah. I'm concerned that someone is um, violating my boundaries. I've asked them not to call me, not to uh, come to my place of residence, and they're still doing that. I just want to find out what my options are. So before you actually take that step, you can find out what your options are. But I do believe that you should not ignore that because some people will ignore that and say, well, I think he's just going to go away. You know, I'm just yeah. going to ignore it. I'm going to act like I'm not home. Um, that's where you need to have a strong boundary. And what about the person that says, uh, well, you know, I don't want to do that because that's going to piss him off. Well, a lot of people do believe that. They, they Again, they'll think of, again, I don't want to upset that person. But that's where they're putting someone else's well-being before their own. So depending on the scenario, right? Cause I don't want to make blanket statements because everyone's situation is different, but depending on the scenario, making sure that there is accountability for you, um, especially if you feel like you're threatened or they threatened you or that they are potentially, if they have a history of violence and history of violence doesn't necessarily mean that they physically hit you. That can be a history of violence where they've punched holes in the wall, they've broken mm. things. Um, you they you were in the bathroom and you were trying to get away from them. They broke down the door, right? Because sometimes people hear domestic violence and they think, well, he never touched me. He doesn't have to touch you. Is there intimidation factor? Were you fearful? Right. There's a lot of times where these situations doesn't necessarily lead to someone physically putting their hands on you. Did they intimidate you? Did they fear? Did they create some type of fear in you? Did they break things in the home? Did they violate your boundaries when you asked them not to come over and they still came over and they started banging on the door? You know, there's a lot of these lesser crimes that occur that we make excuses for. And those are the cases that we should absolutely have some accountability for. It's so wow. crazy that that just resonated with me so much when you say punch the hole in the wall, mm -hmm. because I will, you know, I know a lot of people excuse stuff like that. Yes. But I know what the whole punch in the wall mean, because I grew up in a, uh, a domestic violent mm -hmm. household. Mm -hmm. So the holes in the wall, like th that was regular, but yeah. it was also holes to stomach and shoulders and face. Mm. Right. So I think so many people take that lightly because just because they haven't experienced Yes. What a bunch of holes in the wall look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it kind of just blows my mind the things that people will excuse. Mm -hmm. Are there any other, because the hole in the wall one is just like one that I just know. I'm no very familiar. I'm very familiar with that one. But is there any other ones like the hole in the wall that you see people regularly ignore as, hey, you know, he or she was just frustrated or he mm -hmm. or she, you know, just had to let some anger out? Well, this would probably be a whole nother show, but the number one thing that I see people ignoring is when women are the ones that are actually violent uh, towards their spouses 
or to their property. She keyed your car, oh. right? Or she's broken something. She threw your clothes out. Um, she didn't. She blocked the door, didn't let you leave because those are the ones that are not reported. Or he's embarrassed because he's a man. I should be able to take it. I'm strong, right? And these types of things. So those are the ones that are actually not reported where women are actually the perpetrators of the, of the violence. And there are shows, as we were talking about before we came live, I mean, there are shows that talk about some of these real stories that women are the ones that are violent. Um, but you also have these other situations where, and I think it's important to say where there's this thing where there is reactive abuse, where she has been a victim of abuse for, for quite some time. And then she starts reacting back to the abuser. And then the abuser starts looking at, well, see, she's the one that's actually violent. So it gets into these, these mulky waters. Um, but when it looks like men are the actual victims of abuse, it's underreported. Wow. First off, I already know that that's the case. And I didn't think about from the male perspective. I had a situation where a young lady just showed up at my place. Mm. And, um, you know, it, I was kind of a crazy story. It was a young lady I, uh, I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And somehow, I don't know how this happened, but she ended up meeting another young lady that I dealt with in the past. Mm -hmm. And somehow they got to talking and next thing you know, they end up in front of my place. Right? <laughs> they end up, the somehow, trauma begins. Right. But it was all cool. Right. That's yes. how, that was how it was positioned. Yes. Me, red alerts just went off mm. everywhere. And I was just like, you got to go and you got to go. I'm not having no conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, when I told my friend, my male friends about it, mm -hmm. the very first thing all of them said was, hey, was they trying to have a threesome? <laughs> that was their response and i'm right. like and i'm on a, I'm, are you crazy mm -hmm. i'm like they showed up to my place uninvited setting you up right right but that just shows you the male yes. ego mm -hmm. and 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 mindset it was like this happened somehow this is sexual mm -hmm. and i'm like bro this is complete violation yes of my privacy and my personal security Mm -hmm. So I can see how those types of things would just generally go swept under the rug. It's that good toxic love, and it was your boys was your boys was ready for it. But, <laughs> and I'm just like, bro, you got to be. And it's like the oh, I would have did this, and I'm like, bro, you're crazy. But you see, I mean, you just proved the point, right? Yes. And this, that we minimize women's bad behavior, right. we make excuses for it, or you sexualize it and you try to turn it around to make a different narrative. Exactly. And those types of things continue on until something happens. Um, and it's not necessarily we're talking primarily that women are the victims, but men are the victims as as well. So you know what? Let's actually see if we could bring somebody else up here this time. Hopefully it works. I got the anonymous Joy here coming up to the stage. So Joy, I'm going to unmute your mic. Well, actually, can you unmute your mic, Joy, so we can actually hear you? And please, can you confirm that you can hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? We can hear you perfectly. Joy, what is up? Can you please... Give me your age and your question. I'm not going to get your location. I, I know you want to you stay anonymous here, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Well, can we, can we, can we at least get your uh, your age for reference? Yes, 30. You, 30. Was that 30? Yes. Okay, awesome. Now, can you get, so what, what, what exactly uh, uh, made you call in here today? Was it that you actually might be experiencing some yourself or you know somebody that have? I am speaking from the perspective of um, a child whose mom actually was a victim of domestic violence. Um, unfortunately, when I was a baby, um, her husband, um, well, my dad, uh, 
he unfortunately um, killed her during a crime of passion. And um, that changed the trajectory of my life since they were stationed in Germany at the time. So growing up, I uh, learned about the narrative about how I lost my mom. And I made that a part of, not a part of my identity, but like I noticed that I always had a sob story with me before I even, you know what I mean? Like it, it was part of my story in a way. Um, growing up, I was raised by my grandmother um, and then she passed away, unfortunately, when I was a teenager. So my family, my support, the pers- the people that were my rock um, had passed away at a very young age for me. So I had to learn to be resilient, go through college, et cetera. Um, and then later on in life um, with dating, I um, met my then boyfriend who became a rock for me. However, from 17 until I would say 30, 30, yeah, 17 until like actually 29, um, he was my rock. And then with that came me being very dependent on him. And with that, him knowing that he had this, um, he knowing that he had this power over you, a power in a way of like, going through all my different milestones in life, graduating college, having two kids and me thinking, okay, I'll be secure. And he was a sense of safety. He began to abuse that. And um, unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, but thankfully I was able to leave the situation and um, basically I left it because it was escalating to that physical point after having my own mom not be here because she was in a similar situation. So I basically wanted to say to any mothers out there or any women out there who are in a situation like that, where they are going through the cycles of abuse with their boyfriends, husbands, et cetera, they have kids and they are sick of their kids seeing how they are being abused and how they are being treated. Um, so definitely get your support system in place, come up with a plan and please leave for your kids. Let me confirm this, Joe. I want to ask a few questions, if you don't mind, because you were in this relationship between 17 years old all the way up to 29. You guys had and you guys had two kids throughout the duration of this relationship, correct? Correct. And when the relationship, when you said abuse started happening, then it turned into physical abuse. What was the abuse before it actually became physical when you said abuse started to happen? Right. So even while we were young, there were moments where he would be there were moments of controlling, like even my family members noticed like, oh, he's being controlling, like he'll take my phone and chat. And, you know, if I'm speaking with a family member, he'll take the phone and make sure like it's really a family member, like little things like that, that at a young age and you're a little naive too. you might think like, oh, he loved me, you know, doing all this extra. But those moments, like when it was good, it was really, really good. And so that's what kind of kept me in it because I was one dependent on him and two there were moments when things were really good everybody like liked him our families like got along and that really um you know made you feel like okay maybe we'll get through it maybe it's just a phase but then after forgiving and forgiving and forgiving they for him it wasn't oh forgiving let me be better it was okay she forgave me so it's more like permission and so that's yeah. when things started to escalate to a point where it's like, I need to get out now. <laughs> and when it got abusive, 
like physically abusive how how bad was it like was it started off small like if we're arguing and then you know he'll choke me and you know i'll leave and you know go to a family member's house or something like that and days will go by and you come back and it's it starts to slowly like you think it's not going to happen again and then just little things like you know if you're playing or something or he'll hit and then you hit back you'll hit harder like kind of like how she was saying the threshold of tolerance started to slowly decline like it started to slowly like it'll go from like point a to b to point z unprovoked at some times mm -hmm. and so that's when it was like okay there's something else going on here joy man thank you so much for coming up here and and sharing with the audience because believe it or not your testimony might have just freed somebody else on this call here because you'll be surprised with how many people are you know going through this situation right now Facts. and yeah. you know you was in that situation from 17 to 29 yes and so now i'm, I'm learning how to be stand on my own for one you know fit like financially take care of everything take care of my children and then learn how to heal myself and make sure like basically my whole my whole mindset right now and the reason why I will never go back to that situation is because I have one example my mom of what happens if you stay in that situation and two I don't want my my two kids to to see okay well, mom you went back to that so they think that that's okay in the future if they ever with their partners or whatever like i don't ever want them to think like that was acceptable or what mommy mm -hmm. went through is acceptable like their tolerance like their tolerance is at is a whole different level than ever than what i was so um i just want to set a new pattern a new level of standard mm -hmm. a new level of expectation of self-love moving forward for my children and their children Boom. Well, listen, yes. I love that, Joy. Make sure you right. do it here with us. As a matter of fact, you know we want to stay tuned into this story here. I want to see how it progresses and how that next relationship unfolds for you. So please keep us abreast at info at hardlyinitiated.com. Or you could just come back up here and kick it with us on the next initiation hotline. But I'm absolutely blessed to be able to speak to you and you have a good day. Okay, Joy? You too. Thank you. Bye, guys. A few things to, of to course. Absolutely. You know, first, I want to thank you for, for calling in and, and being brave and sharing your story because your story matters. And there's some key hallmarks that you shared that I want to um, share with the audience because I do think it's important. You know, what Joy shared was she had a trauma, a deep trauma that occurred in her in her life that resulted in a maternal loss. And when she also mentioned she became dependent on the relationship, right. when we have these deep losses, especially from an early age, when we don't understand how it changes us as she does, how it changes you, many women in particular that have unhealed trauma where there's been a loss is that there can be a looking for that loss, that love that was lost, that should have been that healthiness from a mom, that protector, that guidance, that that love and that nurture is that we can try to find it in the bed with men. And that's where that codependency mm. and these dependency type things can come into play because then you try to make that person your everything. You make them your, your mom, your dad, your lover, your pastor, your best friend, all these types of things. And then it comes to this place where when things happen, there's not necessarily a healthy barrier because we're, 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 we're bonding with people from a pain point. So as she mentioned, she has an understanding of her history. And especially if someone has lost, a woman has lost their mom. You know, there's a book called Mother Hunger by Kelly McDaniels. 
and it talks about that mother figure for men and women, but in, in particular, her book is for women and how that affects our choices in relationship because mm. it is deep, it's generational, and it's important for us to understand, especially if we're a woman, the dynamics of the women in our family because that are the shoulders of what we're standing upon. And as Joy just mentioned, she went through that situation and now she's breaking the generational trauma and now she's creating a different uh, path. So thank you, Joy, for sharing that because I do believe it was very powerful. It's important to say that there are resources available for women in particular if they've lost their, their mom, especially to violence. So how likely is it that you will be someone to experience domestic violence if you grew up in a household where you saw that happening as as the norm? Do the do, Does the likelihood that this is going to be your reality go up tremendously? It will affect you. It's just about how it's going to affect you because that's a deep vulnerability. And if you're not aware of it, most people will think they're going to run away from it. But if they have not necessarily integrated their wounds into their life, they're going to run exactly to it. They potentially have a higher percentage to become the person who perpetrates violence because they don't want it to happen. So then they're reactive to it wow. or potentially it can, it can appear in their relationship in other ways. It may not be exactly how you witnessed it, but let's say if you don't understand it and you don't understand having good boundaries, self-esteem and all those other things, then Ryan can easily attract that into his um, relationships with women and that means that sometimes we can ignore those early signs before it actually gets to that place. So that's why it's so important for us to understand. We have to have that PhD in our own history. And if you have access to the history of your parents, because sometimes things are not taught, they're caught. We're going to catch the energy. We're going to catch the things um, in our in our households versus things that are said. Or we try to, we're either, we're all running from something or running to something. And sometimes from those violent situations, we think we're running from it, but we can be running right to it if we don't understand it and if we haven't taken the time to, to do our own work. And you said this is the person that, this happens to the person that doesn't integrate their wounds into their life. Because it's so painful. Sometimes things that happen in our past are so painful. We just try to bury it and put it behind us, gotcha. but it will come out in your life one way or the other. It's going to come out. So if we can't even speak about that pain, and I understand why Joy would be anonymous, right? Because she has kids and other types of things. But if we can't speak the pain in a way that we no longer are falling apart, we have to fall apart before we build ourselves back together. But if we can't even, there are people that when I meet them, they can't even speak the pain that they went through because it's still painful 20 years later. And when that happens, that means that that's exactly where they need to heal. So when you think about all the people that are listening or that are going to watch the replay, if there's something in their history that they still haven't shared or it's so painful that they are afraid to share because they feel like they're going to fall apart, that is the very thing that they need to heal. Like as you share your story about, you know, with the previous women, those types of things that you're able to share that now because it's a lesson, right? It's right. a lesson that was, was learned versus something that has to, because things will continue to repeat the same thing that we need to learn will continue to show up in our life over and over and over again, because there's a lesson, there's something that we need to learn. So as older as people get, they can look back and see the patterns in their life because sometimes, especially from a relationship standpoint, it can be Bob or John or Ryan or whoever the person may be, but you still feel the same exact way with that person. They're just a different person, right? So it could be you and it can also be that you're attracting the same thing that what you need to heal from. It could be a combination 
of a lot of different things. We need to pay attention to that. So I think Joy's story is beautiful. Right. And I think she's probably inspired a lot of different people because it may not necessarily be they themselves have experienced it, but they could have been a family member. It could have been a cousin. It could have been a friend. It could have been someone that they've known. And there's vicarious trauma that happens where the trauma didn't happen to us. Like as you shared, you know, beautifully with your own story, you were in a household. So there's vicarious trauma. So sometimes we can act as if it happened directly to us because Mm. we were exposed to it repetitively. Wow. Wow. So guys, listen, I'm going to, because of the nature of the conversation, uh, we put the link in there. If anybody else wants to come in, I'll, I'll allow one more conversation to take place. But check this out here. I need everybody to do me a favor and go ahead and smash that gray like button. Go ahead and give us that thumbs up there so you can go ahead and support the channel. We really, really need you to give us that thumbs up. And I actually want to go ahead and... I'm just blown and, uh, away by her story, though. It's just, yeah. She was 12 years. Yes. 12. 12 years and with kids from the relationship. Yes. It's just like you can really be trapped. Most women will shield their kids and they truly believe, and this is no judgment. I understand why people do it. People will shield their kids thinking they are doing them a favor. They think that because their kids don't see it or experience it, well, I can take it. I'm the woman and they will shield them. But that also will lead other ways of which their kids can be traumatized. They don't have a mom who's present. She's preoccupied. She's in survival mode. So we can still pass down generational trauma, not in the very way that we were traumatized, but we still pass it down in other ways. But it does not, it do, it's not easy just to just walk out the door once you know there's a problem. Many people like Joy, they know way before they even made a plan to leave that they need to leave. But the reason why people keep coming back is what we just heard in her testimony is they don't have a plan. They don't have a support system. So the very place that they're dependent on is the very place they're going to come back, especially you have children. So you have to be very strategic and they have to make that plan before they ever leave. But they can't do that just on their on their own. We know that. It's so crazy. It's so tricky thinking about that, too, because the kids are really impacted. Yes. I remember when I was like in like second grade and I remember showing up to school and it was like the first day of school. Mm-hmm. And I remember, uh, it's like, it's so, man, man, it's so crazy. This show, if you bring it up all kind of stuff. So I remember it being the first day of school and I'm like at the bathroom mm-hmm. and I remember the teacher that was like chaperoning us to the restroom, um, went, cause it's like, it's like private school. It's like everybody like in line going to the restroom type mm-hmm. of deal. And I remember my teacher at the time got pulled to the side by like an assistant principal. Mm-hmm. And I remember overhearing them talking about me, saying, hey, look, Ryan, they, they got a bunch of stuff going on. Just talk to his mom, you know, he's going to be really sensitive. And I remember overhearing that. And I remember being so insulted by that. Like, I'm, too, I'm like second grade. I'm like, sensitive? What the hell? You know, like, what? but when I look back on it, I was really sensitive. I was arguing with kids. If I would get a bad grade, I would be like straight. It would be like I would stop doing work. Some. Like if I found out I got a bad grade at the top of the day, all of a sudden for the rest of the day, I'm not doing nothing. I'm being extremely callous and disrespectful to the teachers. Like when I look back on that, that was a very trying time for me. But it's kind of crazy because now when I when I as I got older, I realized why I was like that. Mm-hmm. Because it was just so much that I was angry and frustrated about at home. And I never had that conversation with my mom even about that and kind of overhearing that. And of course, 
my teachers didn't necessarily communicate everything that was going on in school about that because mm -hmm. I still was at the end of the day, a high achiever. Mm -hmm. Right. So the impact that abuse have on your kids. Yes. is so incredible. Right. It's so, it's so massive. And a parent wouldn't even understand exactly what's happening because they're not living your life. Mm -hmm. You know, so if, you know, you are in that situation and you got kids, it's like you just have to know whether you think the kids see it or you, however mm -hmm. you think they're being affected is literally times 100. Absolutely. Yeah. And just imagine just sharing your story. If you didn't do your work and if you didn't have a growth mindset, you can just take that label on. And it's right. kind of like you would stuff down all the stuff that contributed and just say, well, I was just a bad kid. I was just an angry kid. You right. know how many people use that label because they don't want to open up that wound to actually, and it's never to blame our parents. It's to understand our own history. Like when we go to Italy, we open these books and we're learning about the history of all these monuments. It's to understand what was there and what, what we're looking at. So when we look at the same thing with our life, it's not that, yes, our parents had their own wounds. They did the best that they can, all the things, but we have to look at that because that does affect us, especially those, the labels, the narratives that we tell ourselves. And there are things that happen that we can we can keep that same cycle. So that anger and the things that have happened that you were kind of, you know, using the word that people were saying you were sensitive or you had a low threshold or a tolerance that right. you were acting it out. When bad things happen to us as kids, it's going to come out of that. But when we learn to hide and we learn to keep family secrets, then we just label that there's something wrong with us. And right. then we go ahead and we take that message on until something happens where we're either going to repeat the same cycle or you don't let people get as close to you because that's vulnerability. They get close to you. If people really know me, they won't like me. And then you tell yourself these narratives that keep you reserved, that keep you guarded, especially for men. Then you're not as vulnerable because you're never going to let somebody hurt you like that again. But when you break through that as you have, and as you are, sounds like, you know, then you get more of a growth mindset. You're able to speak your story with no shame. And even if there were emotions coming up, that means that you have empathy for that little second grader mm -hmm. that heard that conversation because he's still in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think the the big way we got to break through too is just make sure we don't make that dysfunctional household we may have grown up in normal mm -hmm. to us because a lot of us have. Well, whether that be through you know you got to to heal, you figured a way to laugh it out with your siblings, you know. You laugh about that time that yes. mama stabbed, got so mad at the husband. She found out, you know, he yes. cheated, so she stabbed him. Yeah, and you know, true. he you went back jokes. to the hospital <laughs> right. and he passed up, and they came back in and they was eating right. dinner by the night. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, like, right, right. Those Glorify little ratchet, that. those little ratchet family stories and things right. that we figured out. Because you don't even know that if you've normalized it, that it might be something that you need to yes. deal with. And I like to give out resources. There literally is a book called The Myth of Normal by Gabor Mate. And he talks mm. about this, how we have normalized dysfunction, to your point, by creating certain narratives around it, that it kind of gets into our nervous system. So then when it happens to us, we've been normalizing it way before we've even accepted it because of the things that are passed on. Yeah, it's okay to laugh about these jokes, but if you get to a place where you're covering up and you see that that's the family system, then you don't want to you don't want to have to go home to Thanksgiving, especially if something happened to you and pass the peace to someone who's hurt you right. to satisfy the collective of the family because you don't want to disrupt the apple card. The way that we change our generations and we break free is we are someone who speaks out. Doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be an aggressor, but you have boundaries. 
that you don't have to make the decisions based off of um, family history, but that means that you're going to have to take some risk and people are not going to like you. And uh, we're mm. in a culture where we want people to like us. We want validation. So if you go against big mama and she wants you to be next to the uncle who's hurt you or who stabbed the aunt, or all these other types of things and you don't feel comfortable with by you saying no, you know, you're going to either get guilted, you're going to get shamed, or you're going to do these other types of things. So it really takes a person to really be strong to have boundaries. Yes. Um, instead of just going with the flow. And we're going to take this last anonymous caller that we have in here before we move to our next segment. So I'm bringing you here to the stage. Anonymous caller, can you please unmute your mic so we can hear you speak? Welcome to Harley Initiated. Hi. Hey, what's how up? are what's you? Up? Hello. How am I? I'm nervous. That's how I am. Um, but <laughs> listen, don't be nervous. Really excited to hear from you. And listen, yes. I know I know you're anonymous, so I'm not gonna ask you for your age or your locate or, or no your name or your location, but do you mind giving your age? Yes, I'm 32. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so let me let me know why you called in here today. Well, I saw the title, um, Crimes of Passion and um, I haven't had a crime of passion, thank God, but um, I might have one because of the situation that I was recently involved in. Um, so let me just get to the point. So um, I had an affair with a married guy and um, we really had a, an attachment to each other. And I know it was wrong. I'm not one of those women who's like, oh, I love him. No, it was wrong. He doesn't want me. I know what it was, right? Um, but we did have an attachment because his marriage was not going well from what he shared with me. And um, his wife wasn't pleasing him sexually. He told me all of these things. He even went as far, which I think was wrong, to tell me that his wife was molested when she was younger. And that's why sex with her is not pleasant. So long story short, he told me this whole sob story. We slept together and we got attached, but he broke it off. And he said, you know, we can't do this anymore. And initially it kind of hurt because I was in a low place at the time, if I'm honest which is why I did it in the first place, which is why now I can acknowledge that it was wrong because of where I was at the time. But to get to the point, so he broke it off and he told me that he told her everything about us and that he didn't reveal my name, but he told her that we had an affair or he, or he had an affair with someone, but he didn't say who. And she said, well, you know, you better not let me find out who it is or it's going to be a triple homicide. I'm going to kill you, her and myself. But <laughs> he said that he told me that that's what she said. But I this is the whole cherry on top, if you will. I realized it was all a lie. He didn't tell her anything. And I know for a fact that he didn't, because when we had the affair, she was pregnant and it was a um, high risk pregnancy. So I know that he didn't tell her that he cheated on her while she was pregnant. Um, now, obviously I don't have concrete proof, but I'm putting it together and it doesn't make sense. So to get to the point of my question, my question is because he lied about all of this and I feel terrible. Do you think that I should say something to her or I should keep myself safe and not say anything? I mean, maybe it sounds like a no brainer, but because he's just such a liar, 
that's why I feel like he should be exposed because he tried to make it seem like he was being a good guy and telling the truth, but he was just lying about everything. Wow. Wow. Yeah, thank you so much for calling and sharing your story because your story is many people's stories, right? There's um, a lot of what we call triangle type relationships where there's an affair and there's literally a term that we call Cartman's triangle. Cartman's triangle is where there's someone that positions themselves as the victim as um, he did. And he will share the sob story to get her to rescue him. And then his wife was the perpetrator. So we kind of look at these triangle type relationships that occur. But without knowing all the details, my suggestion would be is to take care of yourself and remove yourself from the situation and question your intentionality, right? Because sometimes when we look at these situations where we want to expose someone because they hurt us and we want to teach them a lesson, these types of things can cause more pain for you. So you really want to think about your decision making when it comes to this. And my suggestion would be is to first take care of yourself and get into a place of healing. And later on, if you wanted to make that decision, then you're in a place where you're not making it from a reactionary standpoint. You're responding to a situation. But I would pretty much get to a place where you have support. You cut off all contact and you go through a detox period and not speak to this person for quite some time and not even give them access. And then you're in a better position to make a decision for yourself that's coming from a logical position and not where you're in a place of uh, pain or reactionary um, decision-making. But you know, what she shared is many people's story because crimes of passion do come from these situations where these are the stories that are untold, where you find out your spouse is cheating. And, you know, to your point earlier, Tyshawn, sometimes we hear these stories, we laugh about them, or it's the stuff that entertains us from movies. But yeah. this is people's lives. So I would suggest for her to just take care of herself and take care of her safety. And it's going to be painful because regardless of the situation, this was someone that she had an attachment to. So it's going to take time to unattach and to get to that place where you can think clearly to make decision making. So without knowing all the details, I would suggest is taking care of yourself and removing yourself from the equation. I like that. And that you said it's the Cartman triangle. Cartman's triangle, right? So that's our psychology term for it. But to okay. drama triangle is another way to kind of plainly say it, where there is a triangle, especially in these affair relationships, where the person who has the most power positions themselves as the victim. And in this case, having two women. So you're going to make your wife the bad guy. She's not She's not doing all these other things. But another statistic, and she just kind of shared that in her, um, in her testimony to us without knowing, the most vulnerable time for an unstable relationship is around that first child when affairs occur and betrayals occur. Because there is a... There is a shifting of focus that occurs, especially around that that first child. So, oh, that leaves you more susceptible to betrayal. to affairs and betrayal. Absolutely, it's not their first child, though. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's not their first child. They let me tell okay. you, I'm I'm telling. I hope that you were able to really take this, you know, information that was provided to you because I want to make sure that you position yourself to be as safe as possible. Yes, please. And listen, revenge ain't always you know sweet it's, it ain't always sweet because that guy that guy he said to say because that's kind of weird right he said 
that the triple homicide, I mean, to even verbalize that. Well, the way that I heard that was, um, and I'm making assumption, the way that I heard that was manipulation is to keep her away, right? Yeah. Not to going to the wife, it's to control her, right? Yeah. To the extreme, that's how I would hear that. He was manipulating her and she can read through that. That's why. Yes, and that's why it hurts because he didn't have to go to that extent and lie and go that far. I had already backed away. I wasn't trying to ruin his marriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is well. You know what? Look, control. thank you so much yes. for coming up here and telling your story. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Oh man, it's um. I can't believe. I, I guess people say anything when they get in situations where they don't want to be to exposed. hide and to cover up and to lie, especially when especially in some of these affair situations, it becomes the norm. They get used to lying and hiding and covering up. And then it becomes second nature to them. So whatever they're saying, they don't even realize the impact that they're having. Like this young lady was probably in this relationship because she believed everything that he said. Right. And he pulled the wool over her eyes. So, of course, it's going to be hurtful. And, of course, it's going to change um, her life. And he wants to control the narrative. Of course, he doesn't want his wife to because he wants to have his foot in two different worlds. It's called a double life. Right. So I'm going to probably suggest that this probably was not his first rodeo. You know, I can't I can't stand infidelity in in general but it's something in particular that i hate i just think is just the uh, ultimate low Mm -hmm. when you really just start bashing your spouse yes to somebody else i just think that's just like there's like a level of disgust behind that no loyalty it's just oh man it's like the lowest levels of of loyalty in that and i mean as you can see i mean like it's not even safe like it's you can see how this young lady here and we talked about that in the episode that we just actually released this past sunday but you think you're getting this reprieve you know in this outside relationship Mm -hmm. you think you're doing something to you know uh, re-energize yourself or whatever Mm -hmm. you think you're getting from this place and it feels good but as soon as it goes bad it can ruin everything because this young lady has feelings yes now okay now the young lady who called in because like you said she has feelings Mm -hmm. so clearly she's seems like she's really at the the edge of making a decision if she should get herself involved in this in this thing if somebody chooses to do that to be the person that exposes the whole situation Mm -hmm. could that potentially be the catalyst to a potential crime of passion absolutely because i'm making assumptions not knowing all the moving parts but if this man has been in control he has his wife and he has his kids he has his mistress over here, and sometimes the mistress is keeping, right, mm-hmm. unknowingly keeping him there. And then now you're going to blow up his world, and he does not see a way out of that blowing up of the world. He's going to go and try to potentially hurt the person who is causing the problem. Sometimes we'll first see denial, the lie, or she's crazy, I don't know her. They'll continue to stay with the lie, but sometimes when they cannot anymore or when they see that they're truly going to be exposed, especially if they have other um things that are part of their life ahead of time, then he potentially could absolutely um, potentially hurt her. I could see that too, because at that point, and you let me know if this is the, the right frame of thinking, but that person is really choosing between them having a life and you having a life. And that's the decision that they, that they feel that they're in, mm-hmm. which is why they decide to potentially take your life. In that moment, there's no logical thinking. So okay. when we know when people are, going to do some type of harm. They're not thinking through the consequences of what's going to happen. Like I'm going to go to jail and like, uh, essentially I'm trying to get rid of the problem, but I'm creating the problem and I'm trying to not have her blow up my family, but I'm blowing up my own family. Right. Right. So people that have that type of mindset, they're not thinking through their consequences um, in particular. 
But let me say that every person that has an affair doesn't necessarily cause type of harm um, in that standpoint, because there are lots of people that have affairs that their spouse never finds out because, you know, as we as I'm suggesting for her just to take care of herself, because his wife may never find out. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it may not find out with her because they usually are repeat offenders, especially if they get away with it. Yeah, I, I can see that. And you don't you don't even want to get yourself further no. involved with this mm -hmm. person because who knows where that's going to go because you have no control of the situation. At the that best point. revenge is for her to take care of herself and become very successful in her life and be happy and peaceful and, and walk with that. And, I like that. And stop dating married men. OK, PSA, ladies, it's rarely ever going to turn out good for you to date a married man. In fact, I think it's asinine to be upset that the man lied to you when he's lying to the woman he gave a whole life commitment to. And he he's betraying her right to your face and you expect loyalty from this man. He's already proven to have a lack of character to even be in this relationship with you. So, I mean, in my opinion, to expect integrity from this brother in the midst of this affair now that's very silly. logical that's very logical thinking tyshawn is 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 given so that's why we got the doctor yeah so <laughs> what i would say to that is it's easy to say that but when we kind of break down some of these cases sometimes and we and think about this from a, a very basic standpoint people lie they'll say well we're getting a divorce or i'm just staying in the house for the kids i hear these stories so many times from clients where they are already attached before they find out that the person is actually not planning on leaving and it was just lying to them, which I'm assuming maybe was uh, part of this case. But then what happens is when they find out the person still keeps the lie and they're getting enough, Verna, they're getting enough from this relationship that keeps them intact. And usually it's the hope of the outcome of the future. Because there's a fantasy that's involved with affairs. It's in a bubble. It's secrecy. Yeah. The sex is usually it's hot, thrill. right? It's, it's all thrill. these thrills. Yeah. It makes you feel energized, alive, and all these other types of things. And the fact that I'm talking from an unconscious level that someone is going to choose you. You hang on to the hope that they are going to choose you, potentially trying to heal something in your past of not being chosen. Mm. Not being seen, being unseen as a child, especially if it's not healed, causes a lot of people to enter into these relationships to Tyshawn's point that we can sit here and logically judge right but until you're in that situation with all your pain you're bleeding metaphorically and you have yet to deal with the situation of being unseen because that man when they're in their bubble he sees her he sees her she feels alive she feels desired she feels all those other things so she's able to put in the back of her mind that he has a, a wife and kids because she's hoping that one day that he will be the image that she has in her mind and what happens in these types of relationships is you're constantly trying to get the reality to match the fantasy and the image in your mind, which keeps people there a lot longer because only if he matches that, then there's this unconsciousness that I'll be seen. I'm chosen. I'm loved. And we know it's dysfunctional, but that's what keeps people in these relationships. And you know, if, wow. if, if that, that's the, you know, that's the exception. If, if he did say, Hey, you know, I'm going through a divorce right now and so on and so forth, I get it. But she didn't really clearly say that. So I would, I think it's safe to assume because I think is there's also a group of women who know that yes. a man is in a straight up marriage and is leaving and moving around and they just okay with that situation. It makes them more attractive from a dysfunctional standpoint that he's married and I can get your husband or I can get your person, whatever it may be, because they can go in and get what they need and they can leave. They know he's going home and he's not trying to stay with them. And we're, and we know that this is dysfunction, but to your point, there are women that have an avoidant attachment style mm. where they're not necessarily looking for vulnerable, emotional, but they are looking for the thrill of it. Man.
So let's I mean, I ain't gonna lie, but because that call just really hit me, I, I got one, I'm gonna take one more anonymous call for the night, y'all. The anonymous calls we cl- this evening have been yeah tremendous. Yeah. Like uh yeah, very like the vulnerability yes, that's being they're shared. powerful when people share their story. They share yeah. their story so they can inspire other people yeah. to share theirs, and there's no shame. And now it looks like we're bringing, I hope I'm pronouncing it right here, but it looks like a more key here to the stage. Did I pronounce that name right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So can, wait, uh, the way you said I did pronounce it right. Yes. No, you pronounced it right. Excellent. Don't be pronouncing my name because it's supposed to be anonymous. <laughs> <I think. laughs> hey, so listen, could you please go ahead? We're going to keep this anonymous here, but if you can, can you please tell me your age? So I'm 28. Okay. 28. 28 years old. I'm very interested to know why you called up here today. So I just, oh God, I'm nervous. <laughs> um, nervous. I just went through the most traumatic uh, time of my life this year. Um, I'm a mother of three. Um, just to kind of give you a backstory, um, I have two older boys and I was in a long-term relationship with their father that unfortunately ended, you know, it, um, we're, we're in a good place. You know, we never really had any, um, uh, abuse or anything going on with that relationship. Uh, we just decided to end the relationship and it's been good. Um, years later, I started dating this, my, my daughter's father, my daughter is, uh, 11 months now. I started dating him and we were dating for a while, got pregnant and let's just say things just started escalating fast. Uh, that's when I started kind of looking up terms like narcissist, love bombing, um, things of that nature. Cause I had ended up moving in with them, my children, and I, I started no- noticing he was kind of off in the things he would say, how aggressive he would get sometime, uh, maybe because, I don't know, it could be anything that would happen. He'll kind of, like, oh, for instance, we were watching a movie one day, and I was like, oh, my God, that man is so bow-legged. And when I say the whole mood for the night had changed, I'm like, wow, like, I just said the man was bow-legged on, on TV, like, things like that. I didn't, I've never really been with a jealous man. Like, when I was with my boy's father, I modeled, I act. He, you know, he didn't have a problem with me doing any of those things. So it was all really new and shocking to me because the guy that he presented himself, I'm sorry, the guy he presented himself to be in the beginning just was so passionate and. More, hold on, wait, quick question, because I want to know this. Did this eventually relationship end up leading to any level of physical abuse after you started seeing those signs? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. He ended up going through my phone one night and he saw an old video of me and my ex and I was asleep. I was uh, about what? He woke me up, smashed my phone in my face, choked me. Um, He even put a gun up to my uh, to my head that night. Oh, God, I'm so ashamed. I mean, when I look back on things like that, I should have left. I don't know why. Well, you know what? Now I do know why. Because I've been, I've been on this self-healing journey for a minute now because I'm like, okay, something has to be like, 
deeper, like within me, the reason why I stayed. And it, I, I came down to two things, you know, my own self-esteem, love for myself and embarrassment. I was in a situation where I was like, okay, well, I don't want Hold on, wait. I'm more, I'm more, your, your, no. your sound is breaking up a little bit. You might so, be moving around. So you might be moving you around. Stay, get into a one spot. You got to get where you got the best Wi Fi. So I on. wanted to have my family. You know, I wanted him to be there to grow up and see. Amor, can you hear me? Oh, the sister's Wi Fi is not working the best. So, what's happening here is. Amor. Hey, so I, I think you might be moving around or more. You got to find a good spot. We got the good Wi-Fi. And Amor, if you can hear me, let me know. If not, can, can you hear me, Amor? So, unfortunately, I, I'm going to hold I can off. hear I'm, you. Okay, so Amor, hold on. Just hold off real quick because I kind of got the gist of the story at this point. I just want to get some can context. You. Okay. Can you just give me a very specific question now at this point because now... We got good context of the situation. What's your question? So my question is, how do I move on um, from the trauma that he left me in? Um, basically, when I had my daughter, um, things were still rock. My daughter got to five months and going to jail because he killed um i don't know if i can say more listen 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 yeah your, your, your sound is still going in and out more so unfortunately i got i gotta remove you because your sound is still going in and out and if you could just jump in the chat or more and put that question in there if that's possible because um i, I do want to talk about this quite a bit i got a you know a couple of questions i want to mm -hmm. ask you dr lacy but yeah, see if Amor could drop that question inside the chat because her story is oh, is definitely compelling and, and heartfelt. She mentioned a couple things that um like the that small sign, like the guy getting mad about the movie. Because I've heard that from women before. Like a guy will either shut down or just act funny for the remainder of 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 the day or kind of the mm -hmm. time that they experienced together. Is that would you say a common sign of a guy who's a little bit emotionally unraveled? Well, I think we would look at that with conjunction of other signs. That gotcha. in of itself could be just a sign of immaturity. Immaturity, right? okay, gotcha. But I think the key question that I think I heard her say was, how does she move on from experiencing that? And I think yeah. that is a key uh, for a lot of people that are listening. How do you move on from a narcissistic abusive relationship or a toxic relationship? Because even though you're no longer potentially in that relationship, the effects of it are long lasting. Right. There's something that we refer to as the trauma brain. Right. Your brain is still going to have you for recall is what we call it. So let's say you're now in a new relationship and someone has some level of resemblance of behavior. You can create a narrative off of that and act as if they were the previous person. So that's why it's important for people to heal from these types of especially narcissistic, abusive relationships, because sometimes the abuse is not seen. It's felt and it's carried through that person. So it, the first important thing is, one, for her calling, that's brave. She shared her story. So there's no shame in that. But what she also said was that there was embarrassment because when people do, whether it's the violence of him waking up and breaking her phone and putting a gun to her head, 
even though we can say that you have no reason to be embarrassed for someone to now call their friend to talk about the person that they're in a relationship had this violent act, sometimes people will convince themselves that, well, maybe it was my fault or maybe, and then they have this embarrassment where they don't share it. Mm -hmm. So the first order of business is, especially if there's narcissistic abusive relationship is I would suggest getting professional help with someone that specializes in toxic a narcissistic abusive relationship and take your time. I don't even necessarily put a timeline on don't date a year because there's healing doesn't have a timeline, gotcha. but as long as you're doing the work, there's accountability and you're able to process how have you changed as a result of that situation, because it still lives inside of her, regardless of the person not being in her life, she still can have the hypervigilance. She can have things, the relationship anxiety, there's so many things that can affect a person. And I don't want to necessarily, you know, make um, specifics to her situation. But the first thing, as I say, is that you do want to heal. And I would come alongside with a professional person. And obviously, we know there's podcasts um, right. where there's reputable um, people that specialize in these types of um, issues. But for her to feel like she's not alone, and there's nothing to be embarrassed about, and that there is truly, truly healing and there's hope for a better future for her and for her kids for the very fact that she called the show to share her story, because right. that shows that that's there. Now, the three young ladies that we actually had an opportunity to speak to, they all had a sexual relationship with the person that they were, you know, describing the situation mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. What I mean, is there are there things that a woman or a guy could do before sex comes into play? or like that relationship comes into play that they can kind of figure out if this person is even capable of some things like that. Well, when it comes to sex and of itself, I'm not necessarily a believer in a certain time frame, but I do believe that you need to have, once you enter sex into the picture, I mean, it's a whole nother ball game, right? right? As far as attachment and chemistry, but you have to have enough repetitive experiences with this person in different types of settings to see what's consistent and to see what's not. And if we're rushing the relationship and then you're clouded, right, because of the intensity of sex, and we want to make sure that we know that intensity does not mean intimacy, right? Just because there's intensity of the relationship, that does not mean it's intimate. And a lot of times people, when sex enters the place, for some time, for some people, sex can just be like exercise. So let's just be honest about <laughs> right, it, right? right so right, right. to truly have some intimacy, there has to be some emotionality. There has to be some mental connection. And you're truly not going to know that if you're so focused on how fine or whatever it may be or the chemistry. So slow it down, whatever that timeline is, slow it down, have repetitive experiences with that person, see how they respond, see if they have good, healthy relationships that's a red flag. If they don't have good relationships with some of their family members, we understand everyone doesn't necessarily have that or a good set of friends and they don't bring you around their friends and you're constantly like hearing about these ghost people, so to speak. I mean, mm -hmm. there's because when people are narcissistic or have high characteristics of narcissism, of narcissism, they go through people really quickly because when people get close enough to them, there's a certain threat to them. So they don't, they, they don't have long-term friendships. They have short-term friendships. They may know a person for a year or two years and they may have a buddy right now, but think about their longest term friend. Do they have people that they've been riding with for a while? So there's some things that you can consider, but you don't want to take them and just kind of put them in a silo. There's multiple things that are, will be present when someone potentially has a propensity towards uh, violence or towards um, abusive relationships. Mm. Man, that's that's interesting because, oh, man, it's I mean, it's so complex. You know, the things that these relationships and, you know, uh, the ebbs and flows of all the things you can potentially experience. 
and we didn't get to hear that young lady's, you know, the way that story ended. So yeah, uh, I want you to be able to send you back because I was yes. or just yeah. send us. You could also send us the, the details and the information at info at harleyinitiated.com. We can still take care of it on a reading um, either on this show or, or another. Um, so just go ahead and uh, send that into us if you really want to get it taken care of. And now I kind of want to talk about the opposite end of the spectrum a little bit because we talked about the ladies a lot but you know there's a case that you're actually covering right now with court tv um with a young lady right now that is probably known as as courtney as courtney clinney and did i pronounce that right yes courtney clinney she was well known to be the only fans model who it seems like she went into business with um she went into actually went into business with um i guess her boyfriend that she was dating and things went very very left yes uh, as a matter of a fact we actually got a um a video that we can play just to get just to give the uh family a brief intro to the situation so you guys can get a general understanding so delano can you go ahead and pull that up here so we can go ahead and give you guys just a general idea of this case before we go ahead and get into it thank you dropped the picture there we go a newly released video allegedly shows OnlyFans model Courtney Clenny attacking her boyfriend Christian Obamselli in an elevator on February 21st. The video allegedly shows Clenny repeatedly pushing her boyfriend and trying to pull his hair. The man identified as Obamselli appears to push her back in an apparent attempt to block her attacks. Two months later on April 3rd, police responded to an emergency call from Clenny. When they arrived at her Miami condo, police say they found Obamselli stabbed in the shoulder. He was taken to a nearby hospital and later died from his injuries. Clenny's attorney insists the stabbing was in self-defense, stating that Clenny feared for her life during a physical altercation. Friends and family of Obamselli believe differently. We have no cause to believe that this was a case of self-defense, Obamselli's cousin said. A friend of his said, we've seen her hit him. I've never seen him hit her. On Wednesday, Clenny was arrested in Hawaii and charged with second-degree murder for the fatal stabbing of Obamselli. She's expected to be extradited to Miami-Dade County to face charges. For the latest developments in this case and all things true crime, stay with Law & Crime Network. Okay. That is wild. So this is now uh, the, the situation that you said we don't really hear about much, right? Like the right. guy right. who's actually being abused in his relationship and obviously, you've been following this case here. So please give us some. Can you fill us up with uh, fill us in with some details that we might need to know to get context? Well, again, we know that these are allegations right now. We're getting ready to go to court in 2024. But when we look Got at these you. situations that he had documented in his phone, communications with his friends. So if we kind of look at some of the advice we're giving, he was communicating about certain things. When we look at the police reports, we look at the videos. The abuse was uh, Courtney was the um, she was the one that was uh, reacting to the abuse or being abusive. But when we look at the situation, he's not here anymore. So what she's saying is that she was reacting to his being an abusive person. But there's no evidence that has been presented of that yet in these situations. And we can see some of the text messages that are public record between the two of them of him trying to please her and him trying to um to make her wishes or things that she was asking him to do to change it. Right. So there's a incident that's a public record where he had said hi to a female and she had a, an explosive reaction 
to that. And there were many documents um, between the two of them through their text messages and other types of things just showing that. So it's showing him as a person that was trying to please his girlfriend, was trying to do all the right things, was trying to love her, but also was very afraid of her because of some of the violence that um, he reportedly was experiencing. And that was documented through his um, text messages, but he's no longer here. And then there's things that are documented that show that she kept her videos up on her OnlyFans, which was commercial sex after he had passed away and that she was seen partying in Miami and doing other types of things that oh, people will judge and say a normal grieving person shouldn't be doing those types of things or monetizing off of his death that after he had passed away, that his, um, the sexual commercial videos that they were making money off of were put on there to continue to make money. So we're looking at this case and um, in January, Discovery ID documented um, this case through a docuseries. So that'll be coming out. I'll be narrating that episode. Oh, wow. But what this shows is that, again, these are allegations. It's still um, going to trial that men can be the victims of abuse and that men sometimes do feel like, well, only if I please her, only if I change, or only if I don't share, this is very common. It doesn't necessarily mean it goes to crimes of passion or results in someone's death, but sometimes men or women, but we're talking about men, will withhold information, thinking they're doing themselves a favor because they don't want to cause their person to react or to get her upset, right? So then in these cases where then they do find out, then there's more reaction. So the best thing of, um, especially if a man's in a relationship, he feels like, he can't have conversations with his uh, girlfriend or his wife is to be truthful in how you tell things, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to prevent a certain reaction, but you can make it potentially um, worse. But in this situation in particular, that's what we see as far as the evidence so far that he was trying to please her and to do all the right things, um, including not necessarily sharing certain details to protect her. And she's um, saying that she was uh, defending herself. I cannot imagine that being a guy and kind of being in that situation. Well, what was the like, what was the benefit or like what was he trying to hold on to to stay in a or I guess in general, like what would a guy be trying to hold on to to deal to continue to deal with that kind of abuse? Well, I think some of the same factors are in place. It just looks a little bit different. Mm. We want to believe that he truly believed that he truly loved her. Right. So a lot of people will say that whether it's toxic or not, they truly love this person. So that means that they hold on to the glimpses of the good moments or the good in the person. And we have to look at people as integrated beings. We're not parts. And we hear that often. Well, this person, they have, they're a good person. They have a good heart. They have good traits. Or what we were talking about earlier, they'll say, well, when it's bad, it's bad. And when it's good, it's good. If you find yourself saying those types of things, that is a warning to yourself. If you cannot look at that person as an integrated being, their good parts and their bad parts have to exist in the same place and you can accept them for that person, then you're off to a good start. But if you're looking at, I'm only holding on to the good parts and only if I can just fix this bad part and that's why I'm staying in the relationship, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and for a heartbreak. Mm. So there's some assumptions and that obviously that we are, he's not here to tell a side of the story, but there's some assumptions that he thought he was trying to help her. And sometimes we stay in these toxic relationships because you think you're actually helping the person um, at the expense of yourself. You will abandon yourself and to try to help the other person. I can imagine he probably has some aspect of that mindset too, because I, I think this is something that can be overlooked, but he was featured on her only fans page yes. as the person that she would have sex with. Yes. But essentially, that was her only fans page. Like she was probably making all the money and everything, right? Like, then was it any split going on or anything like that? 
Well, I don't know the details of the, they were not business partners. It was her and she, he was invited and he um, had his own career. And I don't believe that what his report, he wasn't doing as well, uh, training and cryptocurrency and these types of things. So when they, when he met her at a convention, he was doing very well. And then I believe things change, but in relationships, you hold each other up at certain point. But this is a good point that if you are in a relationship and things change and the person starts using the finances to control you, to demean you, especially from a female to a male, that's a warning sign. If you're in a committed relationship, you should be able to hold up each other at different times, including financially, right? So in this case, she was the one that um, was reported as the, we want to call it the breadwinner or was paying for the apartment in Miami and doing all the other types of things because she was bringing in millions of dollars to her OnlyFans account. I can only imagine how lonely it must have been for him because I would imagine all the counsel that was coming from his male friends was like, you're crazy. Like, why would you let that girl do that to you? Because, I mean, just now, me, you know, now understanding how these things work, I would not do that. But had this been before Dr. Lacey and before Harley initiated, I would have definitely been like, dude, you're crazy. Like, you know, and I think that's the average male would probably get that same feedback. Yeah, and, and, you know, when it comes to the, the sex worker aspect, because you know she 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 was a sex worker, Dr. Janie. Let me know this: Is it possible to have a healthy relationship? And and just if I'm generalizing, am I gonna have a healthy relationship with a woman that's in sex work? I would say generally it'd be very difficult, based mm. off of my experience, and I work with through our Women Redeem program a lot of women that actually do. You know, whether there's let's say they were dentists or an attorney, and then they are now um, making commercial sex and they're making lots of money, and they do in their mind want to find a healthy male that will accept that. And usually the cases when they're coming through our program, it's because they've had more bad experiences trying to have relationships and by having commercial uh, sex. So I would say that the the chances of having a healthy relationship will probably be lower unless that person is already in the business with you, which, you know, can be a whole other conversation. But what I find is my women tend to, to not be truthful in the beginning. They'll use words like I'm a, a model or they uh. use other types of things to soften the blow to see if, if, if this person's even going to be in their life. But that by that time, then that person can feel like you weren't honest with them. Right. So it causes a whole lot of different um, different challenges. Wait, So, you know, I'm thinking about Players Club. I think it was Diamond. She was, you know, going to school and she was stripping to become like a highly paid professional or a sought out professional. But you're saying that women are already this type of professional and are then transitioning to the sex work? The women that I work with, right? So the challenge that we see is that, let's say you're you're making six figures, and then now you're in commercial sex and you're making seven figures. Oh. For most people, it's harder to just exit, remove the moral judgment from their work. It's harder to exit living up to a certain lifestyle and bring in certain income to now go back to a life that you now have experienced something else financially. So there is a conflict where they want healthy relationships. And if there aren't necessarily, you know, like certain people where they're not planning an exit and they're using their money wisely, you get caught in a cycle. It's harder to leave. And that's what we experience with the women that we are working with. It's harder to leave once they get to a certain level. Man, no, I, I, I can see that because, yeah, that, that just, uh, it got toxic written all over it. It just does. Even when I remember seeing it pop up in my timeline, the fights, the arguments, yeah. the sex working together, you can just imagine it was just, 
it just seems so unprincipled. I can just imagine just the 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 ask the dynamic of what was going on in the relationship. It's it, very it really blows my mind that OnlyFans or sites like that have made sex work more attractive. They absolutely have, and they use they have like we look at it from a business standpoint, they use funnels. They use Instagram, right? There'd be an Instagram model where you're following them and liking them. And then you click on the link and it leads you to an OnlyFans page. So right. they have a business of sex, of commercial sex. And they want people to click, 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 click. Even if you're not buying, they're still counting those clicks. So when it, and then what we're also talking about is he's, his question is, is sometimes people do interrelationships with sex workers and then they try to change them. So if you met her on the pole and you think just for a couple of months or when things go bad, Potentially, she may go back to what she knows. So again, you have to accept people for how you met them. And if you think you're going to come in and rescue her and change her and set her, if you're going to accept her from the beginning and not try to change her, then you are working from a place of reality. But if not, then you want to be mindful of uh, the relationship you're ending if you're going to accept all of her. Wow. So, so speaking of, uh, you know, taking people how you met them, right? I think about all of the ladies who have who are currently or have been in an abusive relationship male or female mm -hmm. where they were forewarned by the lady that came before them about the abusive relationship so as a woman or a man who's considering a serious long-term relationship would you advise these people to enter into a relationship with someone or continue a relationship with someone who although they haven't experienced firsthand the abuse but they found out some way or another that they had a history of abuse. Would you advise them to take that chance or how if they did want to take that chance, how should they go about making sure that person, you know, won't put them in similar situations? Well, there's a couple of layers there, right? So okay. the first one is if someone previously is taking the time to go and to warn a new person, you have to question that person's motive. Right. So we have to kind of say that. But if the person is known to have a history then the first thing you want to do, especially if it's an early in the relationship, is ask them about it. Because the other side of that is if someone does have potentially, let's say, an incident, how they have recovered, have they healed, has they have, have they had accountability, right? In our counseling center, we have an anger management program, and we also have batterers intervention, right? So their, their likelihood that when there's a pattern, the past is a good indication of the future. But how someone handles that question well, you have a reputation or when I did a background check, I saw that you were arrested for domestic violence. Right. How they respond to that will tell you a lot. But if you think that the potentially that they're going to change because of all of a sudden that you're the sweetest girl in the world, then you want to set yourself up for for potentially um, illusion, illusion of relationship. But I would be careful if someone's reaching back that may come from a place of bitter or anger to kind of warn you okay. because they think they're saving you, right? Because that can be a sabotaging situation. Mm. But if there is a reputation to not ignore it, you want to be precautious. You want to move slowly and potentially depending on the situation, ask them about it and be honest. As I did a background check and I saw that, you know, you have a domestic violence on your um, your record and see how they respond to that. Because just because those things there doesn't necessarily mean all men are bad or the person that has it, there could have been something that happened. There could be context to it in all fairness. Right, right, right. right? So we want to be careful not to judge people. But if there is something that is causing you to um, take heed is I would take heed and move slowly. I love it. I love it. Dr. Janie Lacey, people. Yes. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for this game that you are providing and have provided Absolutely. here. For us tonight, you didn't saved somebody. 
in here so. because this is a very relevant and important message as you guys can see for both men and women as far as talking about how we can just generally protect ourselves you did say that one of the number one things we can do is keep a good community around us is there anything just off the top of your head for somebody that might be dealing with this or know somebody that is what do they need to do outside is there anything outside of the community or is that the one what the one thing they need to focus on well this would be a whole nother show but generally speaking be yeah. a good steward of your single season if you are a good steward of your single season and you're taking care of yourself using this time to learn get that phd in your own history then you're setting yourself up for greater potential for success but the other side of it is if you find yourself in a situation is to reach out and get help before you make any rational decisions. Before you take a step, before you plan to leave, get someone around you who has an objectivity that can help you make a plan to exit because the most dangerous time is exiting a dangerous situation. But if you have a friend or a family who you believe potentially is in a domestically violent relationship or an abusive relationship, is to, as Ryan was saying earlier, don't just go and judge them. Like, man, I want to take care. Don't remove that. Be a safe place for them. When we are a safe place for people, when people feel like they can share and we're not judging them, but that means we have to be mature. It takes mature people to be alongside someone to make them safe. So open up to someone, but then ask them. And then there's other things that you can do. They can have a code word. You can have a plan with your friend. If she doesn't feel safe, have a bag packed. But you have to do this very strategically and with a professional or someone who's safe because irrational decisions is where a lot of the impulse violence can occur. So to not ignore it, check in with her, stay consistent, especially if she's not answering the phone or she's too busy because sometimes that could be control on the other side, is not put anything writing don't ask her in a text message, have those conversations face to face and stay consistent in her life, whatever that may be. Even if it's an inspirational quote that you're sending her through text message, just in case someone is picking up her phone and reading it, making it as safe and non-threatening as possible. When you're face to face, ask her from a place of love and not a place of judgment. How can I best be there for you? I'm concerned. I'm not hearing from you. I've been noticing bruises on your arms, or I notice that you get very anxious when you're husband or your boyfriend is around and I, I love you and I care for you. And I'm just wondering how I can support you. She may not even in that moment, give you a suggestion or say anything, but you just opened the door a little bit for her to, to not be ashamed about it. And that's yeah. the first step. Now, listen, that's, that's great insight. Actually, it's funny that um, you, you reminded me of the episode we had Dr. Spirit on here. And it was a young lady that told her she was experiencing some things yeah. um, of the sort. And she actually said she was going to send her an email, but it was like this coded email, pizza. like something about what size pizza okay. do you want or something mm -hmm. like that. And I, I didn't even think that, wow, because this person might be checking emails and checking yeah, phones. Look at your phone, checking emails, these types everything. Of so you got to even think about as a good friend to wisely and strategically approach this, you know, if if it's even at that level, which is which is scary to think about it even being at that level, but that's just really the reality of the situation. There's but, been cases of like hidden cameras and stuff, you know. Oh yeah, there's so many ways that. to spy on your spouse yeah. today. Oh mm -hmm. man, but look, thank you, thank you again so much, Dr. Janie Lacey is is ah, my favorite part here. In fact, we'll do something special for the initiates that are still in here. So Ryan, let's do a giveaway for the people, man. So check this out, guys. We actually had a really great episode. This was this past Sunday, and then we dropped an episode special for the fellas. So we had we an did. episode with Paul Williams, okay? Overcoming trust issues, work husbands, 
healing from infidelity. So this was a really great episode. The, the fellas, we already been looking at the analytics, of course. More fellas are tuning into this episode than ever. Yeah. And I think the fellas was really looking for some a safe space, really, to kind of have themselves be heard and kind of get some counsel on these things. Yeah. So I really want you guys to watch that. But this is the thing. Paul did us a favor. He dropped off four books that he says, when we say, are only for the initiates, okay? So he dropped this book. This is Dear Future Wife, okay? It's a man's guide and a woman's reference to healthy relationships. So we got four books. The only thing you got to do, guys, is email us. Send us over that email at info at Harley Initiated. Do us a favor. Go ahead and throw in your address to your physical address where you actually want the book to be mailed. That way to cut down some correspondence from us and we can pick the names, initiates only, because we cross-referencing with our list of initiates and we're going to send that book out to you this week. In fact, y'all hurry up and send me an email. We'll make sure we get the books out by Tuesday afternoon. As a matter of fact, and I want to get it to some brothers too, all right? So go ahead, brothers, go ahead and shoot us that email, all right? Don't let the ladies beat you out. They be fast on that email. We probably oh, got yeah. some emails probably already. Got some emails right now, no joke. All right, that's, no it. that's how it be. Yeah. But go ahead. I want to get this game out to the fellas, man. We got four signed copies here. Just for you guys, and for of the course, family. Of course, y'all got to send us a photo when you get the book, though. So shout out to Selena Hill, one of our beautiful and lovely initiates. Well, she was the very first to be featured on the show. We dropped that, that photo, which was dope. So yes. shout out to her for participation. But guys, more and more and more, we're going to be doing some very creative things. We're going to move from the books to gift cards and so much more. So just hold tight. Hold tight and make sure you do this. Send us your email. We're going to get the books out to you. Yeah, so uh, by the way, initiates anytime you may have ran into another initiate you may have received a giveaway offer something just great overall happened where you want to send in a photo just send it over to info at harleyinitiated.com we want to start featuring your wins and successes on the platform here so make sure you go ahead and get that joint over to us shirts on the way Teresa. no shirts yet shirts on the way yes and we gotta let y'all know all right because listen i told you we going to the next level conversations like this i told you we touching the spectrum of conversations here because this is relevant to somebody here that is in the family and on wednesday we have a very special show coming up on wednesday we have never ever ever had (laughs) tim ross here on the live show but tim ross is coming back and in a very different fashion yes yes it's gonna be incredible so uh we actually got a it's more of a what, what would you call it like a state of the address we address in all types of things relationships i'm gonna tell about you to really get crazy bringing very two very different people to the platform on wednesday and we're gonna have a show that we've never had we've never had this kind of show before but tim ross is going to be literally here in harley initiated studios and it is going to be something that you guys have never experienced i can guarantee i can guarantee you've never experienced what we're doing on Wednesday. So you have to be here Wednesday at matter of fact, be at 755. I'd be at five minutes <laughs> early. All right, because this one here is really going to shake the earth. Yeah, we never did right? an episode like this before, so it's gonna be good. We have not, we have not, but we always want to keep y'all up here. It's so much going on, Ryan. Do we got anybody that we need to go ahead and shout out or tell the people before we get up out of here? Yeah, just real quick, shout out to Nzinga for sending over that super chat, always showing love. She usually likes to, to close us out with a nice 
nice, healthy super chat. So shout out Much to Nzinga. Love, Nzinga. And really shout out to everybody that's been tuning into us and sharing us. I told y'all guys we're about 20 members away from a thousand initiates for the channel membership and over well over 200,000 subscribers right now. So it's really going crazy. Essence Atkins, man. I did not know that video was going to do such incredible numbers. I think she's almost at 700,000 views. I'm pretty sure that Essence will be our first million view episode, which will be incredible. She's been going viral on all of the platforms People from her content. Her. So make sure you tune into that episode if you haven't. And let us know. Send us an email. Let us know how you feel about this episode as well, because Dr. Uh, Janie brought some a, a very different type of vibe tonight. I, I think this is really cool because the way you uh, present the information to us is just smooth. It's smooth, Dr. Lacey. And the thing is, the way you communicate with the solutions, I think, is very empathetic. Is You can tell you got tons of experience with this. And it's just such solid counsel. And the thing is, I know a solid counsel because we wouldn't get the compelling stories and heartfelt stories that we got over the phone lines today without them trusting that they're going to get the right feedback after sharing those stories. So we really appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. It's my yeah. pleasure to be here. This was lit too. No, I it, mean, this is like we see this is the thing, Dr. Lacey. Like, we want to capture every crevice of relationships. So what you brought to this episode, this was like, this is big for us. This is new for us. Mm -hmm. And it's new to the the initiates as well, which is, is is why I think that they take it to it like this. So we really appreciate that for you introducing us really to um kind of what can really happen in these relationships and how to protect yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Janie Lacey, for coming up here and dropping the game for the people. Initiates, we love you. As a matter of fact, oh, wait, Delano, are you, are you able to pull this thing up? Is that possible? Because here's what we're about to do, guys, because I want to give you guys, again, this episode is going to be so different. We have two very different characters coming up here to this platform. Uh, we have Tim Ross, who you guys know uh, very well, and we have another young sister coming up here. Her name is Princella. Now, I don't know if y'all know about Princella, but Princella is not a young lady. I can say I agree with a lot of what she puts out, but she has a very strong opinion and she has a very growing audience. And I think it's very important for us to sit down, not only with the people that we necessarily agree with, but to be able to sit down and listen and understand one another because this young lady has had some very, very polarizing opinions in the space. And because it's growing how it is, we want to make sure that we are able to sit down and get some context and do it with people who are qualified, which is why we got Tim Ross joining us in this conversation. In fact, I think our, our team here actually put a video together just to give you some context on some of her per perspectives. So Delano, can you please actually play this video for us? So we can get some context. By the way, I have not watched this video. I have not either. I don't even know what y'all going to see. We all seeing this for the very first time together. So go ahead, Lana. Let's drop it. A man talk about is I want to strip everything that you are at your core away and make you somebody that I need. We won't respect. All the male talks about is what he need and what he want. It ain't never about what he gives. I don't want to bruise y'all ego, but the male was created to be a slave. Men depend on women being dumb, right? Which is why they want young chicks who are impressionable. Clap it up, clap it up, clap it up. Men register sex as a reward in their brain. Men are predators by nature. Y'all hunt. They need that little thing between these women's legs. They gonna get it the easiest way they can. 
Mike's back. Nah, listen. There we go. That was a little menacing. I, she she was really so, listen. She really coming after the brothers. So I don't know if she's just kind of been through some things or or she just has a vendetta against the brothers. So we got to get somebody to defend us. So we're gonna we got to get Tim Ross to talk to her about healthy relationships. Yeah. So it was listen. So it's gonna be again. We're gonna have Tim Ross and Princella on here on Wednesday. And again, it's going to be a very, very different kind of conversation. Yeah. But you know, listen, Harley Initiated, if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen on Harley Initiated, and we're going to do it the right way. So y'all make sure y'all tune in with us. And man, y'all already know, <laughs> Harley Initiated, we are out.